Aloha, Penn Nation. Welcome back to the first episode of BJPenn.com Radio for 2019. We're sorry we haven't been with you guys for a few weeks. We've been trying to stack this bad boy up as much as possible. And boy, do we have a great show for you. This is episode 109, and I'm your host, Jay Kinch. As always, pleasure to be here with you. For this episode, we have five guests. We're going to kick things off with a very heated Colby Covington. You guys have seen everything he's been talking about in the news lately. We got an extended interview with him. He went into it pretty in-depth, the whole situation about being snubbed for the, the title shot with Woodley. So like I said, he's very fired up. We've got TJ Dillashaw coming up after Colby. Obviously, he's fighting Henry Cejudo, looking to make history and become another double champion, challenging for the flyweight title this Saturday on ESPN+. Then we're going to be joined by Dana White, Tuesday Night Contender Series winner, who recently made his UFC debut against Chaz Skelly, the Wolfman Bobby Moffitt. A little bit of controversy at the end of the fight there with that Darce Choke submission. We're going to get his take on all that, what's next, and how he stacks up against the Elite at Featherweight. Then after Bobby, we'll be getting swifty with our good friend, Dominic Reyes. Surging light heavyweight prospect looking to continue his ascension up the ranks as he's set to take on number 5 ranked Volkan Ozdemir on March 16th in London. We're going to break down that matchup, discuss the future for him at light heavyweight, the inevitable title shot that I'm sure he'll be getting probably by the end of this year, and a whole lot more. And then closing out this episode, we're joined by one of our favorite guests, good friend of the show, Gamebred Jorge Masvidal. Now, it was just announced yesterday that Gamebred will be taking on Darren Till. However, via this discussion, you will hear in a little bit. Nothing's official on his end, though he is excited about the potential matchup against Darren Till in London in hostile territory. Hostile territory, of course, being a place where Gamebred believes he thrives the most. So let's waste no time. We'll jump right into it. BJPenn.com Radio, The Fighter's Voice, Episode 109, kicking things off, Colby Chaos Covington. All right, it's a new year, Penn Nation, but we're back with the usual suspects. The man himself, Colby Covington, joins us to kick off 2019. Thanks, as always, for joining us, champ. How is South Florida treating you today, man? Oh, man, South Florida's great. It's like 85, blue skies, beautiful women, and and beaches, you know, just the recipe for success has got me to the top. (laughs) That is for sure, man. Now, listen, there's much to discuss, so I figured we'd jump right into it, man. Uh, when I spoke to you before the holidays, you were still hopeful that uh, about getting this fight with Woodley. You gave us a pretty candid interview about everything that has been going on. Since then, uh, you've made the media rounds, dropped some serious bombs. I guess we should start with the official announcement of Woodley versus Usman for UFC 235. What was your initial reaction to that? Uh, my initial reaction was probably the same as all their fans. You know, it's just it's horseshit. You know, it's. The UFC is trying to shove shit down everybody's throat and, and expect it to be flaming yawn. But in reality, that's not what it is. You know, they're just watering down their product and, and they're fucking over all the fans. So, you know, it's it's a joke and, you know, there's not really much else to see. You just have to watch it out and just and point and laugh after they do it. You just point and laugh and be like, you know, you know what could have been, but you wanted to fucking spite your own, you wanted to cut off your nose to spite your face, so. You know, you got to let the UFC drown. You know, they already they already fucked all the fans over. Look what they did during the holidays, during Christmas, during during New Year's. They reshuffled the whole entire card to another state because of a, a fuck-up. John Jones, who continues to fail steroid tests and is a, a coke junkie. So if the UFC showed that they would do that to the fans during the holidays, you know, they're just shitting on the fans again by making this, this weak number one contender fight. 
Yeah, that was pretty brutal, man. I know the the reaction from the fans. I mean, we had guys on our team that had already had had hotels booked and everything for Vegas for for BJ's fight. They, I mean, this is that that definitely left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But you know, earlier this week, you targeted Dana White specifically. You know, maintained that 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 you want the fight that that you were promised against Woodley, and you even requested a release from the UFC. But now we're seeing reports that that you've been offered a fight against Darren Till in London. Are those reports accurate? And if so, are you going to accept that matchup? Uh, that's fake news, you know. Uh, Uncle Uncle Fester, you know, he, he's just mad that uh, he saw one of his uh, side chicks sweating me on Instagram. So, you know, this is his way of trying to get back at me. You know, it's not my fault that I'm Raw American Steel and Sexy twisted sex appeal it's not my fault that uncle fest is fat and he's off the hgh right now he's got those little saggy titties going so you know the thing is is uh uncle fester doesn't get what he wants you know he, he he's on my time now so i'm not doing anything they want me that they think they're going to get me to do they're gonna you know let's be honest daryl the Doughboy, he hasn't earned it you know he he didn't even throw one strike in a title fight i'm already a champion i uncle fester wrapped a belt around my waist so you know, I, I ain't got time for that going backwards, small shit, you know, get guys coming off losses, you know, that's a waste of my time. You know, I'm, I'm only fighting for a title. I already had a title wrapped around my waist. So, you know, if, if anything, here's some career advice for Daryl the Doughboy. Go up to 185 because there's no there's no real athletes there. Look, let's be honest. Robert Whitaker is the champion there. Or, you know what, even better, eat some more Daryl the Doughboy. Go up to 205. They're handing out title shots to bums. Like, guys like Anthony Smith can get a title shot. Now, obviously, there's a lot to unpackage there, but but you mentioned Dana's pissed at you because a side chick is sweating you. Is, is that true, or are you just you just busting balls here? No, that that's true. You know, it's, it's not my it's not my fault, man. I'm raw American steel and twisted sex appeal. That's not a gimmick. I'm America's champion. That's not a gimmick. I love my country. I love Donald Trump. Those aren't gimmicks, man. You you can't get mad at me for for what I love and what I believe in. You know and and if, if he's mad that I look better than him and he can't do all the HGH in the world to look like me, it's not my fault, man. Don't get mad that your chicks want me. Now, you had said something about uh, if you were going to accept the kind of matchup like against Till or, or anybody like that, you'd have to be offered championship-level money uh, and that kind of a payday. But I'm wondering, has there been any kind of communication between yourself or your management and the UFC at this point? Uh, no, you know, I, I don't have anything to say to them. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, Dan Lambert is, is trying to, 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 you know, not come back to me and, and say everything that the UFC is saying, because, you know, he knows what I'm going to accept. You know, I'm only accepting a title fight. That's what I was promised. You know, I'm on title shit, title pay now. Cause I had a, a belt wrapped around my waist. I was the only fighter in the history of the sport to go to the white house and hang out with the sitting president. So, you know, the reason I haven't heard anything is because they don't have anything to offer right now. They've already, they've already fucked me over. So, you know, they, they know that all I'm going to fight for is a title. I don't care who's up there fighting for the title. I'm the number one fighter in the world, and I'm going to go out there and show again why I'm the best fighter in the world. Now, obviously, the UFC brass must have heard all your interviews earlier this week. They, they haven't given you any response, or, or Dan hasn't mentioned anything about your request for the release? Or, you know, did they have, like, a come-to-Jesus moment that you know of, or make you any kind of offer? Uh, no, you know, but, you know, we all know that they don't have balls, you know. They don't, they won't release me, you know. They're too scared. They, they got little baby nuts, you know. Dana can't even... Uh, confront people to his face he's talking shit to all these people in the media you know talking shit to oscar de la hoya a guy who would 
dust him off the mat with his, you know, with his shoes poked up in his little fucking, in his little uh, hooker's dress and everything. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't take him one round for De La Hoya to to dust uh, Uncle Fester. But I haven't heard anything from them, and, and I don't got anything to say to them. They know where I stand, and they're not going to get out of anything out of me because I'm standing my ground, man. I'm standing up for all the f- fighters that don't have a fucking platform that can't stand up against the UFC and have to take everything the UFC gives them all the shit the UFC gives them fucks all the fighters on the pay you know and and just ex- expects you to do things on the drop of a dime when they want it you know all these fighters are yes men I'm not a yes man Jason I don't I don't do things when the UFC says to jump I don't say how high I'm not that guy so you know the UFC knows where I stand and you know, I'm standing up for what's right. People can hate me. They can love me. But, you know, when I'm standing up for what I believe in and what I was earned and promised. You know, I think in life you, you can only stand by your word and, and you got to have big balls in life. And that's what I got. Now, it sounds to me like you're kind of taking this opportunity to, like you said, really stand up for all the disenfranchised fighters that, that are out there that, that have to deal with those UFC contracts. I mean, we all know about the um, – the antitrust lawsuits and things like that. I mean, do you really look at this as an opportunity to maybe organize and rally the troops here to, to kind of fight back against those injustices? Uh, yeah, but you know, a lot of these fighters, they're, they're scared, man. They're not going to do that. So if I'm a one man army, that's cool. I don't give a shit. I'm a self-made man. I never relied on the UFC for anything. I did this all on my own, Jason. I called my own shots. I got myself to the white house. So I spent my money out of my pocket. What other champions spent their own money out of their pocket to go visit the troops, to go get in the trenches with the troops? When's the last time the UFC honored the troops, Jason? They ain't been doing no been more Been a lot fighting. of years. Been a lot of years. Right? When was the last time they did a fight for the, the troop show? I want to say probably, oh, man, probably like 08, 09 maybe. That's what I'm saying, man. The UFC doesn't do shit for the troops anymore. Like, even the WWE is honoring the the troops, you know, and doing shows for the troops, you know? Like, the UFC, like, what are they doing with all that money? They just got all that money from ESPN, you know, that $2 billion, you know? Where's that money going, man? Why why aren't they doing shows to honor our troops, the people that that sacrificed their lives on the line so we could fucking go out and do this sport, so so we have the freedoms that we have, so these fucking idiots in their suits over at the UFC offices, so they have what they have, you know? That's that's all because the troops, they protect us. So, you know, the UFC's a joke, man. I don't got nothing to say to the UFC or Uncle Fester right now. What would need to happen for you to squash this beef with Dana, or is there anything that could be done to, to squash that beef at this point? Yeah, he needs to come through with his promises, you know? Like, I was promised, you know, a certain level of uh, fight and, and pay, and, and I'm not taking anything less. So if they want to, you know, do business, then we can do business, man. You've already taken enough advantage of me. Flew me all around the world. I sold your shows, shot these amazing promos, put on entertainment for fans around the world, and got paid fucking peanuts. So... You know, for them to heal this up, they're going to have to play ball. Let's do business, man. I'm not your friends, man. I'm not here to be your friends with the UFC. I'm going to make that clear. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I don't give a fuck about them. It doesn't matter. UFC, anywhere else in the world, I can fight anywhere. It doesn't matter. I built myself as a character, a brand. I know how to entertain. I know how to shoot a promo like no other fighter knows how. So I can go anywhere. It doesn't matter. But you're either going to play ball or you're not going to play ball, one or the other. Well, you make a great point there. I think a lot of people don't realize that in reality, you guys really are an independent contractor. Yeah, exactly, Jason. You're 100 percent right. We're independent contractors, man. There's multiple organizations out there. There's 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 organizations that can pay now. You know, there's more funding and, and more opportunities out there. It's not, you know, UFC doesn't have the monopoly like they tried to buy out. You know, that's what they try to do. They tried to buy a monopoly and back 
corner fighters into corners and that's what they're trying to do right now they're trying to flex their dick acting like they're the only pony in town but they're not the only show in town anymore there's you know there's more opportunities out there for fighters so you know i I know this you know other guys don't realize that they think that the ufc is the only and fucking last out no i have to fight in the ufc to do this that's not how it works for me i'm the number one fighter in the world i want a belt in their organization you know there's no competition in the organization so you know, I, I don't need. I have nothing else to prove here. I, I you know, where, show me your fucking balls, UFC. Release me. But you ain't got balls. You guys are fucking bunch of cowards. Yeah, I, I um, I agree with what you're saying, man. There's there's definitely a lot more opportunity now for fighters, and and we've seen that a lot of guys going to different different promotions. But you mentioned uh, you've been flown all over the world and shot promos. Have you already shot promos for a fight with Woodley? Dude, you know I always got tricks up my sleeve, Jason. I, I did all, I've done all types of shit, man. There's fucking, you know, for Woodley, you know, he, he's got no power, though, dude. He's a joke. He can't, Jason, he was out there begging for a fight for the number one contender in the world, me, and he, a guy that has a belt and that has a disputed, his belt, his belt's disputed. He couldn't even get a fight with that guy, the guy that's the biggest draw in the division, a guy that earned it, a guy that has his dis, a belt that's disputed to him, a guy that's number one in the world. Like, a guy that does all the numbers, he couldn't even get a fight with that. Like, the UFC, like, how how much of a joke is that? UFC is not even a sport anymore, Jason. Let's just make that clear. UFC is not a sport. They want to be legitimate like a fucking sport, like NFL, like NBA. You can't be legitimate when when a team wins the championship and you don't let them go to the championship game. I don't give a fuck. If you're an NBA, you win the, the Eastern Conference championship and you're LeBron and the Cavaliers, you're going to the motherfucking ship. It doesn't matter if David Sterner doesn't like you, you know. You're going to go to the championship. So this isn't a sport no more. It's a joke. It's a circus. It's being it's being run by a bunch of bozos you got uncle fester up there up top in his power position and it's just a complete joke yeah i mean that uh i'd agree with you man there's like you're saying with other sports franchises or um, not franchises rather but leagues uh you know there's bylaws there's guidelines and in reality the ufc just kind of plays it how they want um but you know some people have made the point that that Dana is infamous for not keeping his word. And Ben Askren specifically said that you were crazy to believe him in the first place. Is this a big lesson learned for you in regards to dealing with the shady side of promoters? Or was this just a matter of integrity for you all along? Um, It's just a, a really like, I don't give a fuck to them. You know, just a big, I'm putting the birds up and that's it, man. Like, this is a fucking dick flexing competition and a muscle flexing competition. That's all it is, man. Like, they're trying to think that they have the power they don't have the power man like in this situation any other fighter okay yeah you have the power but in my situation where i fucking won a ufc title the highest honor in your company i went to the white house only fighter ever to do that i'm undefeated i I haven't been beaten no one can touch me like they can't fucking outflex me jason like i can go somewhere else i don't give a fuck about them they don't mean shit to me anymore i i I know my worth i know i'm valuable and they know i'm valuable they're not gonna do shit they can say whatever the fuck they want i'm gonna say what i want and i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want so when they tried to pressure you into the fight with usman and and all that other bs you feel like this was this was their attempt at bullying you into the fights that they wanted for you and, and and going back on that promise of the title fight with woodley yeah, they, they think that they can push a narrative to the fans and that the fans are going to get behind that and believe that. But in re- all reality, that's not the truth. You know, like the fans are not stupid. They're dumb, but they're not stupid. And they're not going to fucking listen to this narrative that the UFC is trying to push because it's bullshit and it makes no sense. You know, and, 
You know, a guy, Marty from Nebraska, and that's being honest. That's being nice to him calling him Marty from Nebraska because he's from he's he's actually Marty from Nebraska hyphen Kearney. He wasn't even good enough for D one. He's a fucking joke. He's in he's a D two scrub. O two O and two D two scrub couldn't even make it to D one. So you know, to a guy like that to pass me up when he hasn't earned it, he hasn't even beat anybody in the top ten coming off a win. You know, he, he's not relevant. You know, no one really cares about him. The only reason he's in the spotlight and he's getting his title shot is because corruption behind scenes with his shady-ass manager that lied for the UFC and and the UFC owes him favors because, you know, he lied for the UFC and, and fuck under oath and in court and, and it's just public knowledge at this point. And that's just a complete joke, man. Yeah, I think, I mean, the the, the whole management thing there is, I, I won't, I, I don't even want to touch that one. That's a whole big ball of bullshit for sure. Uh but I mean, what, what, at the end of the day, man, why, why do you think that they were so keen on fucking you over for, for this title shot? I mean, what, what could you have possibly done to piss them off so much that they would have that they would have done this to you? Right. What could I have done? Uh, I accepted a title fight in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and signed a contract when I had death warrants on my head, when I had bounties on my head in Brazil, you know, from these favelas, from these gangs, from all these places, you know, but I still was willing to go over to Brazil and save the day. You know, I fucking, I flew to Singapore. I promoted their car. The last card, everybody only tuned in UFC Chicago because of me. I'm the one that made the media rounds in New York fight week. I'm the one that was selling the show. I'm the one that was all the chicks fucking partying my ass off, you know, the week before the fight that everybody was entertained with. You know, no one cared about UFC 225. I, I sold that show in Chicago. And as soon as I walked out of that fucking cage in Chicago, and when Uncle Fester draped that belt around my waist, I told him, hey, I got to get surgery. I, I didn't fight tonight healthy. I fucking came in with a deviated septum and uh, chronic sinusitis in my nose, and I'm getting mucus in my nose. It's draining to my lungs, blood in my lungs, and I couldn't even fucking breathe. And I told that from the day the day after I walked walked out of the cage and they still fucking wanted to push me into a fight six weeks in Dallas. And that can be the only real reason that they're trying to punish me is because I wouldn't take the one time they wanted me to fight on short fucking notice when I already told them I had surgery scheduled and their doctors are telling them that, Hey, Colby can't fight. He's not clear to fight. Their doctors said that their doctors gave me the surgery and they said, this is the worst surgery we've had in 20 years doing this business. So fuck the UFC. They're a bunch of fucking liars. They're a fucking bunch of snowflakes. And, I don't want fucking nothing to do with them. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I think a lot of, I know you said this to me last time we spoke. I think a lot of people don't realize that they want to point to, oh, well, he declined the fight with Woodley uh, when it was initially offered right after the, the uh, like you're saying, short week, uh, short notice fight, rather, with Woodley. But in reality, I always, po- I always point to that. You said their doctors suggested that you get the surgery. Yep, their fucking doctors, you know. Five or six other times, Woodley could have fought me. He didn't want to fight me. He was too busy in TMZ talking about the Kardashians' fucking swimsuits. He don't want to fight me, man. We were supposed to fight at Garden. We were supposed to fight in California. We were supposed to fight the Ultimate Fighter. We were supposed to go last December. He doesn't want to fight fight me. He's making up every excuse in the book not to fight me. Oh, hurt thumb. Oh, hurt shoulder. Oh, fake knee. You know, bum knee. Oh, this and that. Dude, Woodley's my little sparring bitch, bro. Like... Deep down inside, Woodley's going to know for the rest of his life and his career that I owned his soul in the gym at American Top Team. That's fucking facts, Jason. I would not make this up on the radio with BJ Penn. I, I respect you guys too much. That's fucking facts. Ask Dean Thomas. He was there fucking front row. He can lie to himself and lie to the media. All these little bitches, they know he's my bitch. And for the rest of his career, Tycho Woodley is going to know deep down inside that I own his soul. So I don't need to fight him ever again. I don't give a fuck. 
Yeah, uh, that was kind of going to be something that I mentioned next, but you mentioned Dean Thomas. At the end of the day, man, from what I've seen, even the people that absolutely hate you agree that you got screwed. Dean Thomas in particular, you know, I know he's really tight with Woodley. He even says that that was the fight to make. Uh, Have you seen the same response from the MMA community? Do you feel like you've got the support of even not only the fans, but even the people that hate you? Uh, You know, to be honest, I don't pay attention to that shit. It's just... At this point, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's secondary. It really doesn't matter. Right. You know, I, I mean, I, and the thing is, is I don't want people to feel sorry for me, Jason. I, I don't want sympathy. I don't want people to this and that. You know, so if people support me and they understand, you know how 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 I got fucked. You know, I'm just a hardworking fucking man who put my whole life into this since I was a little kid. You know, and you can say what or not, but my resume speaks for itself. You know, I put in the hard work and I was promised and I deserve a title shot. You know. If this is legitimate sport, you know, when you win the, the conference championship, you go to the championship. It doesn't matter if the promoter hates the fucking coach or hates the manager, you right. know. So, you know, I, I don't know. I just I try not to pay attention to the fans. You know, I, I love the fans. And, and I, this is all for the fans. That's why everybody's getting mistaken. Everything that I've done this whole time has been for the fans, for you to love it, for you to hate it, for you to get emotionally invested, for you to be entertained, for you guys to, to fucking want to be a part of it. So, you know. This is for the fans, man. Fuck the UFC trying to fuck over the fans. Yeah, no, you make a great point, man. I, I think that uh, it, I think people would be surprised to hear you say that. I, in particular, the haters, because like you said, it's all about entertainment and for them to become emotionally invested in, in, in some capacity or another to, to to bring that entertainment out when you go out to compete. But um, you know, during during all this turmoil, you've you've said that you would go fight Rory and Bellator. Uh, when you were talking about, you know, asking for your release, was that ever acted upon? I mean, did you get into any contact with Scott Coker? Is that still an option for you at this point? Uh, you know, I never said I'd go fight Rory Bellator. I just said there's some other fights out there in other organizations where they're big fights and I can go get them. I never named names. I never said organizations. True, and, true. My, my, and bad, another, my bad. Yeah, and I mean, I wish I could be you know, talk to Bellator, but I can't do that. I'm a, I'm under UFC contract. I would never breach my contract. You know, I'm a, I'm the true professional, Jason, like did everything UFC asked, always fucking made way, always on time at their events, flew all over the world, went to Australia, their show sold it, went to Singapore, went to Brazil, went to wherever they wanted me to go. I did everything. I'm the ultimate professional. And as a professional, I wouldn't breach my contract. I know it's out of contract. I'm not allowed to talk to other promoters about fights because I'm in UFC contract. Right. So, that's why I'm saying to the UFC, like, come on, motherfuckers. Like, you guys think you're so tough, then then let's see how tough you are. Release me, man. I, I don't need you guys. If you guys think you're so tough and, and try to think that I'm not I'm not worth anything and, and you don't need me, then release me. Let, let's see it, man. Let, let's see how fucking big your balls are. But you guys don't have big balls. All you fucking idiots, all you snowflakes in those UFC suits in the UFC office, and especially Uncle Fester, you guys have baby nuts. You're basically saying you're trying to call their bluff, man. I mean, if you're, if they release you so you can go out and make some money for another promotion and, uh, you know, get the kind of fights that you deserve, right? Yeah. I mean, release me so I can go continue to earn, you know, I, I need to make, I need to put foot on the table for, for me and myself, my family. And, and I, and I got shit to take care of, man. I got unfinished business, man. And that's just continue to prove that I'm the best welterweight in the world. Cause I am right now. Make no mistakes of how to Jason, like, like, I'm the best welterweight in the world, and there's not a man alive that can stop me right now. Now, do you see this potentially getting ugly? Like, let's say, 
I mean, obviously, if they agree to release you, that's one thing. But, I mean, there wouldn't be any of that uh, the matching clause nonsense, right? I mean, if they release you, you're good to go and you're free to go. Yeah, I'm free to go. You know, if it has to get ugly, it has to get ugly, man. Like, this can go to court. I have no idea. I have no problem going to court and dragging this out if it has to take a year. Because I'm still young, man. I'm still getting better in my martial arts skill set every single day. Every day I step in the gym, I'm committed to the process and the grind. I love this shit. I trust the process. This is just all about the process and the journey. And this is only making me stronger. The UFC has no idea. They're just feeding the fucking beast. And in the end, they're going to get a big fuck you, and I'm going to have the last laugh, and I'm going to be laughing at them. Now, when you think of uh, other promotions, I mean, obviously you can't you can't talk to promoters right now. You can't uh, entertain that idea. But when you think of other promotions, obviously Bellator comes to mind. One Championship is doing big things. I mean, have you thought about where you would go if you were to be released? Uh, you know, I haven't thought about where I'd go. You know, I just, whatever the biggest and best opportunity that presents itself, you know, you got a fucking organization that's paying out a million dollars for the tournaments for the JV squad to go up there, you know, kids that shouldn't, you know, that just have one pro fight that are just a complete joke and, and not experienced fucking best in the world type fighters, you know, winning a million dollars. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there, you know, in, in other organizations and, you know, you got place, you got good things coming together, and it's good. To, it's a good time for MMA because now people can realize it's not just UFC. UFC tries to threaten you and make you think like there's no other option, there's nowhere else to go. They're the end all. They're the biggest, baddest dudes in town. But that's not how it is, man. They 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 consistently shoot themselves in the foot, foot, and, and they consistently are making their brand go down you know by doing this circus shit where they remove a card from one state to another while they pass up the number one guy in the world for number two guy in the world when it makes no sense i mean they continue to do these stupid things so you know it's starting to even out the race is starting to even out man you're getting more fans that are switching board the hardcore fans and the casual fans which you know i'm the only one bringing in casual fans these days but you know you got you got people that are switching board because they're, they're tired of the bullshit and, and they're tired of seeing the ufc how it's run it's just it's a joke man the, the people should be ashamed of themselves who run that business well, i'll tell you i, I know from for me personally it's very refreshing to see all the uh all the opportunity that you guys have and, and competition is best for business all around i mean free market capitalism man the, the more competition the better it is for everybody involved i agree with you 100 percent um, I know we discussed this last time we spoke, but uh, the appeal of WWE with this kind of shit happening to you, do you consider that as a direction you could go in as well? Yeah, that's that's definitely a direction I was heading towards anyways. You know, I'm gonna, I was going to start hitting up the independent scene if I had to, you know, but, you know, me and Vince can work something out right now. You know, I'll go drop the UFC belt in the, in the trash can over at WWE. You know, we, you know, let's be honest, I'm still the champion. No one beat me for that title, so... Uh, you know, there's definitely some some good interest with uh, WWE having a teammate, Bobby Lashley, over there, you know, knowing Ronda Rousey, you know, and especially her having her uh, Ronda Rousey having her beef right now with the man, you know, Becky Lynch and Becky Lynch, maybe asking Connor for her his, her assistance. You know, I'm I might need to go assist Ronda and, and go show, show them how great American winning machines do it and, and, and how we do it is we win and we dominate. We go destroy Becky Lynch and Conor McGregor in a tag team match. Ronda Rousey and Colby Chaos Covington for the tag team championship of the world. Yeah, I know. You mentioned that to me last time we, we spoke. That, that would be amazing, man. Uh, but regardless of how shitty the situation is, it sounds to me like you've dug your heels in. You're not going to budge for anybody. And like you've been saying all along, uh, you got two things in this world, your word and your balls, and you don't break them for anybody. 
that's exactly true. You know, they they can try and hold me down, but but you know, I won't be denied, Jason. Like they could, they you know, time's on my side. They could try and hold me down for a little bit, but I'm gonna keep coming. You know, I'm just gonna use this time off to get better. And you know what else? I'm gonna use this time off. I'm gonna go visit the troops again. You know, I'm gonna go to a couple uh, military bases and just kind of honor the troops and, and show my support, bring my belt that I never lost and and my undefeated record and. And just, you know, give thanks to them. Get in the trenches. Go go do some ruck marches, you know, run a couple miles with them. Just to show them that I appreciate everything they do so I can live the life that I live and, and represent this great country and be the champion of this country. Yeah, I know. You've always been down to give back, give back to the troops, man, and I commend you so much for that. I'd love to see you go out and continue to do that kind of thing in spite of uh, what, what's going on here. Um, but Tyron has publicly said that he wants to fight you next in June after he fights Kamaru at this point, would you accept something like that? Or, or is it just, you know, release me and I want to move on with my life? Oh, I mean, of course I would accept it, but you know, because, you know, I have unfinished business with Woodley, whether he wants to admit it or not, he's my bitch in the gym and I'm going to prove it in front of the whole world. I'm going to take everything he worked for in front of the whole world. But, you know, at this point, is something like that going to come together? They already promised me him. They promised me in January. You know, they promised me in November. They pr- promised me last last year like three times. So it's never going to happen, Jason. So I just have to let it just, you know, be what it is. It's never going to happen. And, and let's be honest, this is Woodley calling for it. This isn't the UFC saying it because we already know UFC lies and they don't keep their promises. But this is you, Tyrone Woodley stating it. And how much par- power does Tyrone Woodley have? Jason, he's called for six fights. He's gotten, he's 0 for 6. He called for me. He called for GSP. He called for Connor. He called for Nate Diaz. He called for Bisping, blah, blah, blah. He, he doesn't get anything he wants. So what makes him, what makes you think that they're going to give me him in June? There's, it's no chance. You have a, you have a better shot to hit the Powerball, literally, than, than me fighting Tyrone Woodley. And, and he's not going to turn around and fight in June anyways. He fights once a year. That's it. And he, you know, this could be his last fight. You know, he might just beat fucking, uh, little Marty from Nebraska Carney and then right off in the sunset. And, and I wouldn't blame him because he's got a young hungry lion here now in me and I won't be stopped. All right. Listen, Colby, we've covered a lot here, man. And I greatly appreciate your time as always, I guess in conclusion, man, tell all the haters out there where to go, let the world know what they can expect from chaos in 2019. And what can everybody do to try to support you in this effort to, you know, get what's deserved and, and, uh, you know, show the world that, that, there's guys out there that are willing to stand against the tide of of, of bullshit and, and uh, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, your job, your day-to-day life, but but the kind of nonsense that, that, that life throws at you sometimes, that there are guys like yourself that are willing to stand up against it. Yeah, just pretty much that, uh, you know, I'm the last of a dying breed, and, and I, I would hope that some people would, would learn from my lead and learn from, you know, what I'm doing. You know, you can fight back. Fuck the UFC. Fuck Dana White. Fuck all of them. Don't be scared to say that. I know I'm, I'm speaking for a lot of you guys, and I know a lot of people in the UFC wish they could say that and have the platform that I do to say that. But, you know, I'll speak for all you guys. That's cool, man. I don't give a shit, man. Like, you guys need to realize your worth and realize what we're doing, man. We're out there fighting, taking each other's brain cells, you know. So you should capitalize and get the most monetary gain that you can possible so you can set yourself up for the future. So don't be as fucking scared and act like you got no choice. You got options, and that's what life's all about is options. And, and you know, don't feel sorry for me, man. Life goes on. I stay positive. I have a lot of great things in my life. And, you know, I just keep being better, man. That's all I do. That's what I've been doing my whole life. I have no doubt that the future is still bright for you, my friend. And anything we can do to help support you, please let us know. Uh, before we let you go, man, any shout-outs, sponsor plugs, the floor is yours, brother. 
Yeah, shout out to uh, Dan Lambert, American Top Team, best gym in the world. Always keeping your boy well fed and hungry and motivated for success and just always having the backing, you know, that I have from Dan Lambert, man. Fucking none of this is possible. I wouldn't have anything or be anywhere without him. So, you know, he's that's the only sponsor that I want to give love to because he's he's kept it kept me in it when I was down and out before and, and helped me be able to live this life and, and continue on this journey and the best is yet to come, man. We just got started. Mark my words. It's going to be a snowflake snowflake Armageddon soon. I have no doubt, man. And, and, hey, you know, just to touch on that, without having a guy like Dan Lambert, be, you know, by your side for all this, I'm sure you wouldn't be nearly as comfortable uh, with this pursuit that you're in right now, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. They're going to – they could try to figure me out, do whatever they want, you know, but Dan Lambert's one of the richest, most powerful people in the world, so you can't keep that guy down. It's impossible, so – we will rise up and we will be back. Mark my words. All right, man. Thanks again, champ. I hope this all pans out for you, brother. Enjoy the ladies down in South Florida. We'll catch up again soon. And again, if you need anything, man, don't don't hesitate to reach out. I appreciate that, Jason. Much love to BJ Penn Nation. And uh, I'll catch you guys on the flip side. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Later. Later. You guys heard me talk about it during the interview. There was a lot to unpackage there. But regardless of the situation... I truly hope that Colby gets what he deserves, gets his release if that's truly what he wants, and an opportunity for him to continue earning a living in a sport that doesn't give you a very big window to do just that. So as always, you guys know we've got Colby's back. I hope that this all works out for him, but we got to keep it moving for sake of time. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, the man challenging Henry Cejudo for the flyweight title this Saturday on ESPN+. And real quick, let me mention that we talked to him at the end of last week. So some of the stuff we cover, obviously, we spoke to him last week, not this week. But nonetheless, challenging Henry Cejudo for the flyweight title this Saturday on ESPN+. The bantamweight champ, TJ Dillashaw. All right, Penn Nation, our next guest looks to make history next weekend and become yet another multiple-weight champion in the UFC as he moves down to 125 pounds to challenge Henry Cejudo. Please welcome back to the show the reigning UFC bantamweight king, the BMT ninja himself, TJ Dillashaw. Thanks, as always, for joining us, man. How you doing today? How was your New Year's? Uh, New Year's. You know, I had a, I had a skinny holiday uh holidays this year skinny thanksgiving skinny uh christmas and uh training my butt off for new year's you know um literally <laughs> but uh, it was great man just uh doing what i love to do in, in the gym and getting better and like you said making history yeah you know i was i was just about to say that i'm wondering how difficult it was to stay focused on a weight cut hardest weight cut of your career being around family and friends enjoying all kinds of food for the holidays that must be kind of brutal um you know it wasn't too bad I, i'm used to it from wrestling wrestling's always through these holidays you know uh i think that's why i love thanksgiving so much is because i've always uh during wrestling season had to miss out on it you know um but uh you know the weight cut actually hasn't been hard i mean obviously it's been a lot of work but uh my body's responding excellent um thanks to my strengthening coach sam calavita he's also my nutritionist and um just almost like life coach kind of deal but uh he has gotten my body to change tremendously, which has been amazing to see and to see all the, the brains that goes in behind it. Um, I'm actually closer to weight right now this far out than I would be at uh, at 35s. So that's pretty cool. Really? Wow. I, I know you've maintained well, all I, along. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just because I've been so like 
dedicated to it. You know, when I'm fighting 35s, I'm like, oh, whatever, I can eat, do whatever I want. I'll worry about weight fight week, you know? Right. Um, so I'm actually going to show up fight week closer to weight this time than I would normally at 35s. Wow. I know you've maintained all along that this weight cut to 125 is not going to be a problem at all for you. You know, speaking of having the right people behind you like Sam to make it happen. Uh, but it sounds like this is, this is the best you've ever felt. Is that accurate? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I feel really good. Uh, people always think I'm lying, but I'm actually stronger now than I was my last camp. I put up some PRs on my, on my clean and press and, you know, doing some, doing some PRs in my weightlifting, which is pretty impressive. That is incredible, man. So what do you weigh right now? If you don't, if you don't mind us asking and how, how much do you have to cut for fight week? What's that? What was your question? I was wondering if you don't mind telling us how much do you weigh right now and, and how much do you think you're going to have to cut for fight week? Oh, man, fight week's going to be nothing. Um, it'll probably be, you know, 10 to 12 pounds, hopefully, if even that. Wow. You know, and I'll be, and I'll be hyperhydrated, so it'll be, uh, it'll be no problem. I got to say, man, just looking at your social media, you look absolutely shredded, but because, <laughs> because of that, I've also been saying to myself, is there any weight left for you to cut? <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, so like once you get to where I'm at now, I mean, I've got it under control to where it's going to be the rest of it's going to be water. You know, it's going right. to hold on to the strength, hold on to the muscle, hold on to everything. It's just my body is I'm I'm already so the average person walks around like low 50s with their hydration. I'm already up with a 66 percent hydration weighing what I want to weigh, you know, so I have plenty of room to get rid of whatever I need to. Wow. Sam Calvita really is a mad scientist. Yeah, he really is. It's 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 quite crazy. Um, very very smart human being that has was a wrestler, um, was working for NASA, became a calculus teacher for a private school down here, and has won awards now for being the world's best calculus teacher. You know, his kids tr travel all over the world to come and uh, go to just his school in particular to, to learn from him um, because of his uh, attributes and how smart he is. So. Uh, to see what he applies to my training and to my diet and me changing my body is quite amazing. Um, I never, I mean, I always thought I ate healthy in the past, you know, um, when I was champion the first time. Yeah, I just, I was able to eat whatever I wanted, just worked out harder and was fine. You know, I didn't really have to worry about it too much. But uh, to see the gains in my my hormone levels and, and the things that he does with my vitamin levels, my omegas, um, getting my hair analysis done, just the way my body's running now, it's it's quite quite crazy actually. I feel feel amazing. Yeah, well oiled machine, right? Exactly, man. I'm I'm perfectly in homeostasis, so that's nice. Right now, uh, you know, obviously he he's the he's the mad scientist with the numbers crunching everything as far as your workouts go. But how how big of a importance has nutrition been for this weight cut? Well, that's it. I mean, he is my nutritionist as well. Oh right, so right, does, okay. Yeah, he does my strength conditioning. He does my nutrition, which is all my macros, the calories I'm taking in day out, day in and day out. We have a um, schedule per week, what I need to weigh by every Sunday. Um, been following that for 12 weeks to get my, because we've been bringing my body weight down very smart. You know, I don't want to, like I said, I'm stronger now than I was my last camp, and that's because incredible. we did it the way we did it. You know, we did it without without um, having to cut any kind of muscle. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm down to 5% body fat right now, which is unreal. Like he calculated my bone mass and my body fat. And it's only like, 
I can't remember like my my the, all my bone and fat mass is like only 19 pounds, you know, some crazy. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wow. crazy. Wow. So, yeah. in regards to the technique and everything for this camp, what's what's been the focus aside from the weight? I'd imagine that wrestling's been a bit more of uh, more of a focus for you than recent fight camps. Man, the weight hasn't even been a focus. It's just been something I've been doing. You know, it right. hasn't been like a struggle. But um, just like every fight camp, always adding new wrinkles to the game. Going to be a completely new fighter with new tricks. I, mean, I wouldn't say completely new fighter, but maybe a. a the same fighter with new tricks and then uh yeah man always continue to do my wrestling i think that's where uh where i continue to get better is that i, I can take the fight anywhere no one's going to beat me in any one spot you know you know when you're fighting me uh you're in a fight there's nowhere you can find a weakness to, to take advantage of yes saludo is a uh olympic caliber wrestler but look man this is mma this is mma wrestling and uh i'm gonna beat him at his own game yeah, it's a far different beast, the MMA wrestling. Oh, so a, a lot of different. guys have, have uh, fallen victim to, to not being aware of that. Yeah, exactly. When I first started, man, like I thought I was going to come in and just like, oh, just out wrestle everyone. And then you realize that it's a completely different sport. MMA wrestling, with, without having shoes on, with standing tall and not having stalling and uh, not having to have your hands on someone all the time, like in a tie-up, it's, it's completely different, you know? And uh, I've noticed that with... Uh, with watching tape on Cejudo as well too. And I don't think he realizes like a lot of things, you know, even with him being the caliber he is, uh, I'm going to take advantage of it. Well, you've been in this game a lot longer than he has. Right. So obviously, yeah, you, would, yeah, you know what I mean? But I'm wondering uh, who have you, who've been your main training partners for this one? I know that Juan is getting ready for a fight later this month. Lance just fought mostly been working with those guys. I'm guessing. Yeah. I got Juan Archuleta. I got Lance Palmer. I got Aaron Pico. Um, I got out that was in the UFC and sunny here with his 25 pounder. Um, there's a, the kid in Bristol go with him as much this camp, but a kid named, uh, uh, Mikhail Michael, he's a Cuban wrestler, uh, was fighting for, uh, I forget what league he was fighting in. He fight, it turns out a King's MMA. Um, you know, and the list goes on of people that you don't know, you know, that are killers wanting to come up those hungry guys that'll in the gym every day. But, I'd say Juan Archuleta is the guy that's been able to push me the hardest. His work ethic is insane. His pace is insane. And his MMA wrestling is really good. So um, the straps we've been getting into have been amazing, as well as the high-caliber wrestling of Aaron Pico. And uh, being able to spar with that guy has been amazing as well, too. He's a hungry young kid, too. So I know it, man. When we did the uh, the picks for KOs of the year for, for the staff at BJPenn.com, uh, while, while I didn't pick his, his, uh, his KOs, they were mentioned for me. Cause man, anytime you land a body shot, liver knockout, that kid is, that kid is something else. Very bright future for both him and Juan. No, oh, absolutely. They're both, they'll both be world champs in no time. For sure, man. Now, um, what are you guys anticipating from Cejudo? Do you think he's going to be attempting that same strategy he employed against Mighty Mouse? Um, you know, I, we have a bunch of predictions, but uh, those are those are those are for us. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> those are for us to worry about, and uh, I'll talk about them after the fight. Fair enough. Now, obviously, yeah, well, like you're saying, you can't give anything away, but I'm sure Dwayne and yourself see plenty of holes to exploit in uh, Cejudo's striking game, right? Absolutely. Now, what has been the biggest challenge, or what do you think the biggest challenge Cejudo poses for you, in your opinion? Uh, you know, obviously the caliber of wrestling, or do you think it's maybe more uh, how competitive he is? I know yourself being incredibly competitive as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's competitive. He's an athlete. Look, he's a, a Olympic gold medalist, you know. Um, so he's, he's got some attributes. But 
really, I don't, I don't see a challenge. I see uh, me just having to get out there and perform. Go out there and have some fun, perform, and uh, that'll be my Now, the goal of dropping down to capture the second title, this all started with the Mighty Mouse fight, and uh, that's all well documented. But when the UFC decided to get rid of the division after this fight, does that take anything away from you uh, in regards to accomplishing this goal? Does that take what? Uh, does, does that take anything away from you in regards to accomplishing that goal? No, not at all, man. I'll be uh, the last flyweight champion. You know, um, you know, really what it comes down to being, man, is that uh, is, is stating my legacy and realizing that I'm the greatest fighter on this planet. You know, I think that I'm the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, and that's me proving it. You know, I'll be able to go down a weight class. I can go up a weight class. I can beat everyone, and, and I know it. Me me and my Dwayne, and me and, me and Dwayne, my coach, and uh, my teammates and uh, my other coaches know that uh, I'm the greatest pound-for-pound fighter, and I'm looking to prove it. Winning the second title really cements you as one of the all-time greats like you're talking about. Where does that stack up uh, against your other accomplishments in your career so far? Um, Everything's so, man. You just got to keep keep shooting. I, I don't plan on stopping. So, um, you know, just like every other fight, every fight, your next fight is your next biggest accomplishment. You know, you always got to handle it that way. You always got to handle this as your next biggest achievement. I don't care if it's your first fight in the UFC or – fighting for the world title and this will be my next biggest accomplishment so um it's hard to top me beating winning the belt that first time and and uh, proving the world that who i am but uh this is uh this is what greats are made of you know uh getting out there and proving themselves for sure now being the division is going to be closed uh do you expect to cross paths with Sahudo a second time at bantamweight in the future we'll see man we'll um we'll see if he can keep up with the bantamweight you know that's the uh, Right. That's a, a question there. I don't know if he can keep up with us, and uh, I'm going to prove it. Not looking past Cejudo at all, but uh, you've said recently that you plan to capture three titles and you love to fight Holloway in the future. Give us your thoughts on how that matchup against Max, how that would go down, and the likelihood that the fight would actually come to fruition for you. Right against him, my speed, my athleticism, and uh, being so well-rounded, being able to... Uh, Beat him, beat him uh, take the fight everywhere. I think that's a great fight for me, and uh, it's uh, definitely where my goals are set. You know, you got to set short-term, long-term goals. I'm not looking past Cejudo, but uh, I am setting long-term goals, and uh, I'm the, like I said, I feel like I'm the greatest fighter on this planet, and so I want to prove it, and that's the perfect way to do it. I think the first people uh, – I'm sorry. I think the first thing that, that people would point out would be the size difference. You're confident you can overcome the height and reach of Max? Absolutely. Now, obviously, uh, like you said, you got to get through this fight first. But looking ahead, I mean, is that going to be your, your next step? Or are you going to look to uh, defend the bantamweight title first after this fight with Cejudo? Man, we'll figure that out um, as soon as that happens. Like you said, let's worry about Henry Cejudo having a great night on the 19th and uh, getting my hand raised and uh, smile on my face, man. <laughs> going down in history. Exactly. Now, changing gears here for a moment, you just launched uh, Fit to Fight, if I'm not mistaken. Tell yes. our listeners about the program and, and what you're looking to accomplish with it. Man, it's been amazing. I put a lot of hard work into it. You know, it's been uh, over a year of creating it, um, building the website, filming the technique. I mean, I have over 130 plus videos of MMA technique that is paired with uh, strength conditioning workouts. It'll make you not only better at those techniques, but obviously get you in shape as well, too. So you could be an absolute beginner where I'm going to be in there showing you how to throw a jab. And then also teaching you how to get in shape 
or you can be a professional fighter looking to get ready for your next fight and want to do a, a, a fight camp and trying to train the same way that I do. You know, I'm showing boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, and like I said, every every technique of, of, of MMA technique is paired with strength conditioning to make you better at that technique. So I've had nothing but great reviews, all five-star reviews on my website. It's been hitting it off great. Um, I, can't, I couldn't be happier because I put so much work into it i put uh, more work than i even thought i was going to in it but it turned out amazing it's uh such a great program and so like i said if anybody's looking just to get in shape or if you're wanting to learn how to how to throw some some punches or want to learn a little bit about uh diet and nutrition um you got to check out tjdillashaw.com my fit to fight course um i have that on there i got all my killer shot swag i got my custom gear um, it's been quite amazing, man. Um, just to see how everyone's been been loving it and message me, message me about it. Now, what was the motivation behind starting this? And I'm wondering, did you draw any inspiration from like Dwayne's online academy? Yeah, Dwayne, 100. Um, percent I've always known that I've been a great coach. You know, I was coaching at Alpha before Dwayne got there, and I've always done a very good job of breaking down technique, and I've actually liked doing it. Um, Dwayne came in and had his, has his whole system, has his online academy, um, and I've just learned so much, so many life lessons from Dwayne. You know, if it's learning how to coach and teach, um, how a respectful martial artist should be, um, and applying that to your entire lifestyle. lifestyle. So, yeah, I've definitely picked up uh, th- these ideas fr- from Dwayne as well as me just liking to coach. Um and it's a perfect way for me to be able to do it without having my own fight team, you know, because I don't have time to coach my own professional fight team, but I do have time to share my knowledge, the knowledge I wish I would have had when I first got into the sport, you know, things that um, I've learned throughout my 10 years of fighting, shoot, my 20 years of wrestling right. and, and being able to apply them. If I was a amateur or someone first coming up and had this kind of, uh, technique and, and workout uh, regimen and nutrition it, it's uh it's next level and um i feel like it's the, the first of its kind to teach every form of martial art rather than a jiu-jitsu guy just getting there and teaching jiu-jitsu or um someone just teaching kickboxing you know it teaches everything every every aspect of getting in shape and fighting yeah i was gonna say that's that seems seems to be like what makes it so original it's that it's the blend of everything together that's very uncommon. I mean, everywhere has an online academy for the specific martial art, but you're blending that all together. I think that's probably a first, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the first of its kind. Um, and I really feel like that's what's made me so successful in this sport is being able to blend all my techniques together. You know, being able to uh, keep you guessing. Be able to, you don't know if I'm going to wrestle or if I'm going to kick you in the head, you know, and, right. uh, and and showing those, those secrets, showing those techniques, you know, um, and how to apply them and why. Uh, I feel like I do a very good job of breaking it down. And uh, for all of you that haven't checked it out yet, I'm excited to hear how you like it. And uh, you know, give it a check. Like I said, tjdillashaw.com, man. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right, listen, TJ, always appreciate your time, man. Getting back to January 19th, how do you visualize the fight playing out? And uh, beyond that, what can everybody expect from Killershaw in 2019? Man, 2019 is going to be continuing the, the continuing my legacy. Um January 19th, he's not going to be able to handle my pace or my pressure, and I'm going to break him, and I will finish Henry Cejudo. All right. I have, the, I have the most finishes, the most uh, fight bonuses in the weight class, and uh, it's, it's just the way I am. 
you know, I'm very competitive, I'm very aggressive, um, and that's uh, does nothing but set up great fights, and that's what I'm looking to do. I'll, I'll never go in there and have a boring fight. All right, looking to make history next weekend on ESPN Plus. Very, very awesome, uh, very awesome matchup, and and uh, great stuff. Looking forward in 2019. I hope we can see this Max Holloway fight maybe this year or next. Uh, thank you very much for the time, as always, TJ. Any shout outs before we let you go, man? No, just my own brand. You know, just building myself. TJDillashaw.com. Check it out. You know, if you want to get anything from a Killershaw shirt, TJ Dillashaw gloves. Um, you want to get in shape or yeah, learn you just more released about, some uh, custom gloves, right? Gym. What's that? You just released some custom gloves, didn't you? Yeah, man, I got to design them all. It's really cool. I got to uh, the way they fit. Um, you know, the width of them, even for the size. The MMA sparring gloves are next level. Um, and I also got to design the way they look. You know, they have like dates of significance on it, like the date I won that belt. Uh, my birthday, my son's birthday, the area code of which I, uh, the zip code of which I grew up in. Um, uh, so. It's got a lot of cool, like little hidden features within the glove that you'll you'll pick up on um, that you don't really notice when you look at them from afar. But um, super cool, man, and, and unique and very one of a kind. I teamed up with Sanable and they uh, make a, a great product, and I was very impressed when I first tried them on. And they're they're a great glove. So if you're looking for sparring gloves gloves for pads or bag work mma sparring gloves or even just mma gloves or shin guards um i have all my own custom lines so it's pretty cool awesome man tj and the, the last, yeah, the, the, go ahead the last thing is uh flavor republic my spice company that i've started is uh man it's been growing crazy too i've been uh trying to be an entrepreneur in all areas and this spice because i've been on this new, this new diet it's helped me out so much so uh uh, you know, flavorrepublic.co. You can check us out there, or buy us even on Amazon. Um, low sugar or no sugar, and low sodium to no salt spices. You'll be able to eat healthy and keep your food tasting great. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you say that. I knew I was going to interview you tonight, and uh, when I was thinking about making dinner, uh, I was thinking of spices I had in the cabinet. And I'm like, oh man, TJ has a has a spice company. I need to check that out. So flavorrepublic.co, tjdillashaw.com, fight to fit or fit the fight rather, and uh, going down January 19th, making history, brother. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. All right. Always uh, always appreciate the time. Much love, and best of luck on the 19th, my friend. Uh, heck yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Later, buddy. Bye-bye. TJ, always the consummate professional. Always a pleasure having him on the show. Very much looking forward to what he can accomplish against Cejudo, capture that title, and then maybe go for a third one at 145. He wants to be the baddest man on the planet. He's certainly working his way towards that. And honestly, love him or hate him, one of the most talented guys to ever compete in mixed martial arts. And make sure you check out the Flavor Republic. I've went online, checked it out. There's a few things that uh, I have on a wish list that I'm going to be ordering. Very cool stuff, all natural. And make sure you guys tune in this Saturday, ESPN Plus, to watch this fight go down live. But let's keep it rolling. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, coming up next. Freshman to the UFC featherweight division, the Wolfman Bobby Moffat. The Wolfman cometh, Penn Nation. Please welcome back to the show UFC featherweight and product of the famed MMA lab, Bobby Moffat. Thanks as always for joining us today, Bobby. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Now listen, I know you're on a hike right now, but before we jump into things, how was your holiday and your new year? Oh man, it was... Uh... It was a great holiday, honestly. Uh, it's been a long time since I was able to get back home, so it was nice to see 
you know, my mom, it's been eight months or something like that since I had seen her. So it was nice to get back home. And then the New Year's, I worked on New Year's. So that was good. I got the money and uh, uh, everything's going good. <laughs> now, obvious, obviously not being in camp for the holidays means you get to get to enjoy all the wonderful food as well, right? Oh, yeah. I got my, my favorite meal is on Christmas. So uh, my mom makes some homemade noodles. Uh, Italian noodles and, and uh, meatballs, and we have chicken and red sauce, and then she makes like this, this she's got homemade Italian bread, and then um, some spicy breadcrumbs, that's like my favorite meal. Yeah, that's that's right. I, I remember. I remember the last time we spoke. You had mentioned the uh, the homemade pasta. That that's a delicious thing. Speaking yeah. of which, did you did you end up uh, making it to Rhode Island after the fight at all? Um, after my fight in Vegas after the Contender Series, I got to go out to Rhode Island visit my new niece um, and my other niece as well. Obviously, it was her birthday in June, so. It was nice to see my sister that lives out there, and we spent some time. Like I think we were four days in Providence. Cool, cool. and uh, it was nice. I liked it. Well, like I said last time, man. You know, when the day comes that you're back out here, let me know, and, and I'll show you some good seafood joints. Um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get out there again. <laughs> I like it out there. It's a really nice uh, area. Yeah, you know, just don't live here for the sake of taxes and all that bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no plan. So. So let's jump right into it, man. Let's discuss the UFC debut back in November. Uh, you had given us a prediction that you tap out Chas Kelly. You did just that in the second round via Darce Choke. Obviously, there was some controversy after the win, but give us your thoughts on your performance and how it felt to finally make that UFC debut. Yeah, it felt uh, amazing. It just felt like everything was in line, you know, like the whole week. Everything that uh, coaches and I were talking about, like, was just happening, you know, and it just was cool to see, like, and, and to notice it, like, for, for it to be happening, and then, and then you have to, to see the things happening, like, oh, like, this, you're kind of just, like, in a flow, in a flow state, and it just felt really good the whole week, and the whole, the whole debut, and then, um, you know, the fight went how I thought it was going to go, I knew he was going to, uh, go for the takedown in the first round really hard, and he did. And he got it, and I mean, I was disappointed in that. I was really working hard on, on uh, not getting taken down my whole fight camp. So, but for him to really not do much in the position is it was was a good thing. Obviously, I didn't take too much damage in the first round. He kind of like threw some like peppering shots when he was on my back for a little bit, but it wasn't anything to be worried about. And uh, and I knew. I knew he was going to get tired, you know, I could feel, I could see him getting tired on the stool, like when I was looking over across from him, and uh, I just knew I was going to pour it on, and uh, yeah, a little bit of controversy, I thought he was either out or he was going to go out or tap out eventually, so kind of sucks that the fight ended the way that it did, just because now everyone's got to ask questions about it, but of course, of course. Um, it was uh, it was good. I was happy. I knew that's how I was going to win the fight, so I didn't see it going any other way. Now the controversy thing—that was something I wanted to get to here in a moment. But uh, it sounds to me like Chaz didn't do anything that surprised you. It was the exact game plan that you were expecting from him, and everything went according to plan on your end. Yes. Very good. Everything right? was good. 
I was very happy about it. I, I felt like uh, my striking was was uh, above his, obviously, and I, and I think I just started to uh, find my range and and the pressure I needed to do to 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 put him in bad positions, and everything went well. It was good. Now everybody talks about octagon jitters and the pressure of competing on the biggest stage in the sport. Did you feel any of that? Uh, no, surprisingly, I felt more pressured in fighting local promotions than I've ever felt fighting fighting in the UFC. That was like it's like a dream come true. Like to uh, for it to happen, I don't. Know, it just it just felt like I was supposed to be there. You know, like. Uh, you're doing something, and it's just like this is what I am supposed to do. Like, how could I be nervous in this situation when when I know this is this is everything that's supposed to happen in my life? So, so it just felt perfect. It was great. I couldn't. Uh, it's hard to explain the feelings that you get when you're in there and you're feeling this kind of situation where where you've never been in it before, but it feels like home. You know. So it was a. Uh, it was perfect. It was great. I loved it. Right. It sounds to me like you were kind of just relishing in the moment of, of all of your hard work and accomplishments finally coming to fruition and, and being in the place that you that you believed you de- you deserved to be all along. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly how it felt. Very good. Very good. Now, in regards to Chaz protesting the stoppage, as you mentioned, I mean, I personally felt as though it looked like he went out. What was your take on the situation? Do you think he went out? Do you think that the maybe the ref woke him up? What's your take on everything that happened there at the end? Yeah, when I was I watched the replay quite a few times. Obviously, you know. Um, so I when I watched it, when I was when I was in the choke when I was choking him and stuff, I wasn't even thinking about him. I was just thinking about making a choke tight. So right. So people ask me if you. Did he feel like he went out? It's like, it's. I wasn't paying attention to him, you know? I was paying attention to me. Obviously, I was paying attention to him trying to move away, and then he stopped moving. So then I was like, okay. And then when I watched the replay, it looked like his arm went limp and his leg went limp because he had stopped moving. His leg flattened out. And then um, there was a point when I was choking him, I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I can. Oh yeah, of course but, you can. Uh, of course you can. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, "Oh, maybe, maybe I, I'm going to have to let go of this and and get to a new position because when I've watched the replay, it's the ref. He grabs his limp arm and he shakes it, and he doesn't do anything. But he, but when the ref's shaking it, he's pulling him out of the choke. So you could see, like, if you watch the replay, he he the ref opens him up and he pulls his shoulder out. So now it's at a different angle. And then he is, I think he's out for a second. And because the ref is pulling him out of the choke, the choke's loosening up, loosening up, and he's still kind of out right there. He's, he uh, tells me to stop, obviously. And I let go. And then right when he hits his head on the ground, he's kind of like wakes up right there. Like I think he had like a brief moment of getting out of it um, with the ref pulling him out of it. And then that kind of helped him. Uh, wake up quicker than normal I think yeah I mean that's exactly the way I viewed it it seemed to me like when he went to check on Chaz that that's kind of when uh you know the 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 reason for protest began he kind of woke him up like I said I I agree with you I feel like he did look like he he was going out there if not out completely um yeah 
So, I mean, after the fight, Chaz had called for the rematch if you were willing. Have you responded to that at all? Do you feel like a, a rematch is warranted? I mean, I haven't really... I I've, I think in interviews it said, like, if the UFC wants me to fight him again, I'll fight him again. Like, um, There's really... I mean, it doesn't matter to me, seriously. I, I could fight anybody tomorrow. Like, I, uh, if they want me to fight him again, I'll fight him again. If they don't, they don't. Right. I haven't we haven't I haven't gotten anything scheduled yet, so who knows? I don't think he's got anything scheduled yet. So if they I need a fight, so if that's the only person that they're gonna let me fight, then I'll fight him again. I mean I think the fight'll end up going exactly the same way, if not worse for him. So, um that's how I view the fight. He's a good guy, he's a good fighter. You know, I have the same respect for him as I did before the last fight, but if I fight him again, I think I think there's no take. I don't think he's going to take me down in the first round. And I think I'll probably finish him in the first or the second. So it would be the same outcome, honestly. So I don't know if he wants to another loss. Right. Same result, just maybe faster a second time around for you. Yeah. Now, again, all the controversy aside, man, you look great in the UFC debut. You're on to bigger and better things now. I mean, obviously, if the UFC wants to schedule you against Chaz again, so be it. But I think you're looking forward at this point. That being said, though, it sounds like so nothing's in the works, nothing's planned, no opponent, date, or venue in mind yet. No, I got I mean, I, I saw, like, um, I don't know. I literally just tweeted him back. I guess Bryce Mitchell was there for a fight in Tennessee, and I don't have a fight. I mean, he seems like a nice guy. I think I met him once. He's pretty nice. But I was like, I'll fight you in Tennessee, pretty much. But, I mean, it really doesn't matter. Like, uh, uh, there's another dude. Um, he fights a lot of guys in the Midwest. Uh, Dan Dan Ige. He's a really good fighter. And he beats up a lot of guys out of the Midwest. And feel like that's kind of like my territory you know that's where i'm from so so i've got to uh avenge those guys getting beat up in the midwest ah, so yeah. fight fight for supremacy oh, of the midwest yeah yeah but i mean he, he, he's not from the midwest but he's just beating up everybody from the midwest so I'm, i gotta uh gotta avenge that you know right <laughs> so, so but honestly got... it really doesn't matter like i'll, I'll i hope Oh, I'm I'm guessing I'll get something short notice. I think uh, someone will end up pulling out of a fight or something, and I'll just step in because I'm I'm always ready. So I'm looking forward to beating somebody up soon. So have you and your team? Have you guys put your name in the hat for for a short notice pullout? You know, if somebody pulls out, you're willing to step in and 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 save a save a fight or an event for that matter. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've told my manager, you know, hey, you know, I want to look. I'm looking, you know, I'm hungry. I want to eat somebody, you know. So, uh, so I told him, sure, no, that's anything. doesn't matter to me. Um, so hopefully something happens soon. So I'm really, I love the, I love the whole process of a fight camp. I love, and I, and I love to fight people. You know, obviously I do this for a living. So it's kind of weird to be in that spot where you don't have a fight set up and you're still training hard, but, but you're, you're motivated to get yourself better, but you don't have a you don't have a specific um, human in mind of 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 beating. So so sometimes it can it can be difficult just to yeah. Just you're kind of you're kind of like in fight purgatory. On. Yeah, 
right? And then and, and the hunger's getting the best of you now. You, you, I mean, it sounds to me like if they they put a contract in front of you right now, you'd sign it regardless of opponent. Yeah, it's kind of at the point right now. I feel like right. I just want to fight people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I fight anybody, God? Right. Uh, but you know, it, it's just it doesn't matter to me. You know, I think uh, with all the people they're going to put in front of me, I'm going to prove that I'm going to be the best featherweight in the world. I'm going to beat everybody. So. I, I feel like, why wouldn't I just fight anybody? Because I'm going to have to clear out the whole division for me to get to the top, you know? So it doesn't matter what what uh, what kind of, uh, you know, what order you want me to beat these people up in, but they're going to get beat up, so. Right, for you at this point, you got to start somewhere on the journey towards the title, so let's just get it going. Yeah. Right. Now, now, speaking of the division, give us your thoughts on the landscape of 145. Uh, when you look at the elite at featherweight, I'm sure you're confident that you're already ready to compete against some of those guys. Yeah, I feel pretty confident in that kind of, in that area. You know, fighting uh, some of the top guys in the sport. Obviously, I feel like I could beat anybody. So, um, I feel like uh, I mean, what was it? Jeremy Stevens is fighting to beat, and I don't think that's and like a title shot works, so whoever wins that, they're not going to get a title shot next. So, who is it? Jose versus, um, uh, what is his name? Moicano. Yeah, Hanato so Moicano, whoever wins right. That, whoever wins that, I'm guessing, is going to get the t- next title shot. Um, and I'm, and, uh, I mean, I saw Frankie Edgar post something against Max Holloway, but, uh, he lost his last fight. He got knocked out, so. Did he lose? Wait, was was his last fight against T City, and then he pulled yes. out of his other fight? Yes, that is correct. So, so yeah, I mean, hard to get a title shot when you're Frankie coming off Egg, a loss, yeah. right? Yeah, Frank Yeager is a great fighter. Don't get me wrong; like he is a former uh, lightweight champion and all that stuff. But, but I mean, he's not going to get a title shot next. So, so I think they're probably waiting on the Moicano Jose Aldo fight. And uh, other than that, I mean, I feel like. It's who they got booked up next? I mean, I don't know any of the top fifteen. So you feel you feel like the division's pretty wide open right now. A good opportunity for a guy like yourself to come in there and and make some noise and and jump the ladder pretty quickly. Yeah, start choking some people. Give me somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of choking people, man, that was the third darts in a row. I mean, are we gonna? Are you just gonna keep that going through the whole whole UFC career? Hey, if uh, if. Guys keep letting me dice, and I'm gonna keep dicing on them. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a move that I've been I mean I've been doing for a very long time. Like uh, every time I do jujitsu with somebody, every time I roll, where I'm always gonna dice them. You know, I'm always gonna shoot for at least one dice. You know, and I go, oh, I can't get it. But then if I can't get it, then that means I'm for sure gonna dice them because I'm just very stubborn. So, um, so I mean. Has that ever gotten you into trouble? Um, It's gotten me into trouble in the fights sometimes. Uh, There's been some times where I've just, like, hung on to a Dars too long. I I didn't, I I hadn't uh, put it in properly. I was like, there have been some fights where I felt rushed, you know, like, oh, man, I just want to, I think it was mainly fights where I come off of losses. I, uh, I go out there and I go, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to choke the guy in the first minute. And then I'm just going to squeeze him, and it's going to be over. And then I do that. I get to the position. I rush 
I rush the submission, and then I squeeze the guy when I don't have it properly cinched up, and then I burn my arms out. So it, I haven't lost from doing that, but it gets me in trouble for sure. I would be in pretty big trouble if I did that to somebody in the UFC because they're a much higher level than those guys that I was trying to choke. Then. Right. So, uh, well, like they so, say, man, position before submission and, and all that. So, exactly. You know, I've, learned <laughs> from, I've learned from that mistake for sure. Right. Fun with palms. I hate, uh, I hate burning my arms out like that and then not having anything left. So, so I know, uh, I know what to do in this position. So. And I'm, I've been choking people a lot more differently. Well, not a lot more differently, but just differently in general. I've, I've, I've done my darts slightly different. I've done different angles at it now, so I feel like I've got it uh, in a much better position every time I flow into it. So uh, I don't think that'll be happening anytime soon. Right, a lot more pathways to the finish with that Darce choke. Now, you mentioned Holloway yeah. and Ortega there. Uh, what did you make of that fight between Holloway and, or, and, and Ortega? Did you watch it? What do you think of Holloway's performance? Yeah, that was a really good fight. Um, and honestly, I loved watching Holloway fight because uh, it was just crazy. It was, like, uh, it was like the first two rounds. I mean, he's at like, let's say he's at like third gear or whatever, and he's just kind of like, going with him, and then the third round, I think Ortega kind of had uh, an energy. He hit his second win, so he kind of landed more heavier strikes. I think he kind of rocked him a little bit in that third round. Um, and then Holloway recovered and stuff, and then went back to kind of like the first two rounds where he was just picking him up. And then he looked at uh, he looked at Joe Rogan and said, I'm going to finish with this round. And he went to like a whole nother level. It was... Uh, it was really impressive. It was it was really cool to see somebody do that. You know, you go you you're hitting a pace that's pretty that's already really high for the first three rounds, and then you're like, all right, fourth round, I'm just gonna kick it up. And he just went. He switched his stance and just beat him for five rounds. And I mean, Ortega is super super tough, but that was a good thing that uh, the fight was stopped in between that because yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and and you're absolutely correct. It's very impressive to see a guy push such a high pace and then be able to turn it up in the fourth round. I mean, most guys can't turn yeah. it up in the third round, never mind the fourth and the fifth. So I agree with you. Very impressive stuff. But um, obviously, like we were talking about, that there's nobody really in line for Max next. Do you think he should move up to a lightweight and challenge for that title? Or would you prefer to see him stay at featherweight for the time being? I mean, I would love to see him fight somebody like Khabib and uh, even, well, Tony Ferguson would be a super crazy matchup because those two just have ridiculous uh, endurance and the way that they, the, their styles are would just make a crazy, uh, crazy fight. I would yeah, love that'd to be, see. That'd be um, a good show. So, so yeah, but I mean, I, I really want to see Khabib versus Ferguson. So, I mean, uh, as far as I see, somebody—I mean, if like if Jose Aldo wins this fight against Moicano, does he get does he get another title shot? Does Max Holloway have time to go up to fifty-five and fight somebody there, and then right. and then fight whoever challenges? You know, so I mean, there's a lot of 
questions. Yeah, a lot of but, factors. Um, You're absolutely right. I mean, depending on who wins between Aldo and Moicano, how they win, how quick their turnaround would be, that's a big contributing factor going into going into what's next for Max, but uh, clearly, you need a few more wins before you're in the title discussion. But when you look at yeah. a guy like Max, what he's been able to accomplish so far, how do you think you'll match up with him? I think it's a good matchup for me. Um, I've got really good endurance, and so does he. Obviously, uh, <clears throat> I've got some things to work on before I get to Max, So I mean, he's a great fighter. So there are some, some things that I have to do differently, uh, striking, striking-wise to keep up with him. And, uh, but I think on the ground and wrestling, I'm, I'm, uh, obviously I think I'm the best matchup for anybody in that department. Um, so I think it's a good matchup for me when I get to that time, I think I'll be ready. Now, are you content on slowly climbing the ranks or would you rather catapult yourself into, into contender status with a couple of impressive victories? I'd love to catapult myself. I mean, I'm 28. I'm. It's not. I'm not getting any younger, so I don't want to be 32 fighting for the belt. I want to be 30, 29 maybe. Right. No. <laughs> so we'll see. You know, it depends on what matchups they give me. If I, if that's kind of why I'm hoping for a short notice fight. You know, if I get a short notice fight, I have more opportunity to fight somebody who's who's ranked higher than me, you know, as opposed to just being matched up with somebody higher than me right now, they might not think that I deserve it, but, but if I fight, but if, uh, somebody pulls out, then I have the opportunity to fight somebody who's, who's ranked higher than I am. Right. And, and, uh, and not to mention, I mean, if you come in, uh, short notice and have an impressive win over a guy that only adds a whole lot more to your stock as a contender as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm, I'm hoping for the short notice, honestly. I uh, I would like to fight somebody really good and uh, show everybody what I'm made of, you know? So realistically, how many times would you like to compete this year if all goes to plan? Well, I fought five times last year. Um, so, I mean, three or, three or four times, I'd be cool with that. Right, um, so... I mean, so... If, I could five, if I could five fight, if I can fight five times this year, I mean, that would be even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I love being like, that's after last year, like I, I'm, I'm missing, you know, my fight camps, you know, everyone says that they, they train, they, they learn the most out of fight camp, but I feel like, um, I've learned so much in the fight camp too, training specific things to beat people. Um, I feel like it's added, added a lot more to my arsenal, and I haven't even had to show any of that stuff yet. So, uh, well, you're clearly a guy that likes to stay busy, and you like to have a target, a goal, somebody in mind, somebody you're working for. Like, like I said earlier, this kind of fight purgatory thing that's it's really bugging you. Yeah, it is. So, hopefully, uh, five times would be awesome. I'm done with that. So. All right. Well, I certainly hope you can at least get the four in. That that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, Bob, you've been more than generous with your time, as always, man. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, in conclusion, tell all the fans out there what they can expect from you in 2019 and let the rest of the division know why you're a threat, you're a guy to be watched out for. Hey, all the fans are going to be seeing me uh, choke people, you know. That's uh, that's what I like to do. And if 
somebody stops me from choking him, then I'm just going to punch him in the head a bunch of times. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what, what the, the, uh, the rest of the division can expect from me. You know, I put, I put a high pace on people. I put different kind of pressure on them, uh, with my hands and with my jujitsu and wrestling. So, so I know exactly why I haven't been matched up with anybody yet because I'm hard to match. That's Nobody true. wants to fight me sometimes. So. You, you, and, and real quick, before we wrap this up, I mean, do you feel like you're kind of in that position where you need to be that squeaky wheel, you know, and maybe talk a bit more to get those matchups you're looking for at this point? Yeah, that's why it's, that's hard for me. It hurts for me to, like, it was, it was hard for me, like I said earlier, like I, I tweeted out to Bryce or whatever. It was hard for me to do that. Like, it takes, it takes me, I'm not that kind of person to be like, yo, you, I want to fight you. You know, like, right. I like everybody in the division. I respect everybody. You know, obviously, I think I could beat everybody. I mean, that's how everyone's got to feel. So, so, uh, but for me to to say it to somebody like, yo, uh, you and I, we should fight each other. So it's just, uh, it's different for me. I haven't, I haven't been in a position where I have to call people out. You know, I've just been, my manager just hits me up like, hey, this is the matchups. I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. So, uh, right. So it's uh, it's a little different for me. I haven't uh, gotten used to uh, tweeting every day and just bugging people, you know. So, <laughs> nor should you. Nor I've should gotta, you. I mean, personally, I, I I feel like unfortunately we're just kind of in that in that age where where, where you got to talk a bit more. But ideally, it'd be nice if you like you said your manager just just hit you up. You're presented with the matchup. You take it. And and everything goes smoothly from there, but you know, unfortunately, we're in that day and age of trash talk, man. Yeah, I'm not going to be trash and talk trash talking anybody, but I'll ask people to fight me. I guess you know. <laughs> hey, you, do you want want to fight each other? Right. <laughs> I'd really like to choke you, my friend. Could 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 we please? Yeah, I really that? <laughs> enjoy choking you for some money. Is that cool? Would you like to do that? <laughs> <laughs> all, right, well, all right, well, Bobby, listen, man, looking forward to a very successful year for you and all the future has in store. We'll definitely catch up again when a fight gets announced, maybe something last minute. That'd be really cool. But before we let you go, tell everybody out there where they can find you on social media and feel free to get any shout-outs, sponsor plugs. The floor is yours, man. Hey, uh, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's the same handle, Bobby underscore the Wolfman, W-L-F-N-N. And, um, sponsors, I mean, I go to Mitchell Chiropractic every Wednesday. It's pretty awesome. They crack my back, so that's, that's really nice. And besides that, it's one of the APM and Lab, and my manager, Rick, for, uh, getting me around the moon, and now just... I want to thank whoever signs the next contract because I want to beat somebody up, please. <laughs> well, we certainly hope that the matchup gets announced soon, man. Again, I'm very much looking forward to uh, to what you're going to bring to the division. Very exciting addition to Featherweight. Thanks again for the time today, Wolfman. You have a wonderful day. Enjoy the hike with uh, with your uh, lady there. Thank you for having me, and I will. And uh, you have a great day as well, man. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Very promising future for the Wolfman Bobby Moffitt. Incredible ground skills, great submission skills. If he continues to hone that striking, he'll definitely be a contender in no time. Hopefully he gets himself a fight soon and we get to see him back in action. But let's keep the trainer rolling. 
Coming up next, BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, number eight ranked light heavyweight in the UFC, without a doubt future title contender, in my opinion, future champion, the devastator himself, Dominic Reyes. Wubba lubba dub dub, it is time yet again to get Swifty Pen Nation. Please welcome back to the show the surging light heavyweight contender who is taking the division by storm, the one and only devastator, Dominic Reyes. Thanks as always for joining us, Dom. How are you doing today, brother? What's up, man? Thanks for having me once again. Always um, a pleasure. Doing fanta- fantastic today, man. Very good, very good. So before we jump into things, man, how was your holiday? How was your New Year's? Um, Holidays were great. Spent it with the family. Um, my birthday was the day after Christmas. That was awesome. Went snowboarding. Awesome. And, Happy belated. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, New Year's came and went. <laughs> <laughs> now, you got quite the, Gris- uh, the Christmas gift recently in the form of a huge matchup against Volkan Ozdemir in London on March 16th. How happy are you with this fight, man? Oh, once again, man, another step in the right direction. Um, I mean, we're, we're getting the right fights at the right right times, and this is just another logical step in my progression. I'm very excited about the matchup, though. It's going to be really fun. The, the fans in London are in for a treat. Absolutely. Now, last time we spoke was right after the OSP fight, the win there, and you were looking forward to continuing that ascension, just like you were talking about, up the ranks. Volkan is ranked uh, number five currently. Yet another step towards the title, like you were saying. A chance to move up three spots in the rankings is exactly the opportunity you've been after, right? Yep. It's it's right there. Perfect. Perfect matchup. I mean, this is the first... Uh, I think Kimball was younger than me. But uh, this is the first time I've ever fought a guy the same age as myself. So, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Weird stats, but... <laughs> Right. Well, it's it's got to feel uh it's got to feel good to to get in there with a guy your age and I guess uh, really test yourself against somebody with his kind of skill set. Give us your thoughts on Vulcan as an opponent and how you guys match up stylistically. So as an opponent, I mean he's extremely tough. He has tremendous amount of power, um, great punching power. He's uh pretty athletic, um, and yeah, he he uses his range pretty well. So I'm excited about the matchup. Uh, matchup wise, I mean, he's got, he's very dangerous. He's got, he's got, uh, plenty of tools on the feet, but, uh, I feel he's not as well versed as myself on the ground. Um, and on the feet, I, I feel I have the athletic advantage. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, so, some critics would say that Vulcan is a bit one dimensional and that he's yeah. primarily a striker. And, we, and we've seen that in his two losses both coming on the ground against uh, Anthony Smith and, and Daniel Cormier. I'm sure you'd be looking to exploit that with your wrestling base in this one. I mean, we'll see what happens. <laughs> you always have a game plan, and then you go out there, and then uh, you read the map and see what you get. So True, true. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, for all I know, he could come out and try to shoot. <laughs> you know, you never know. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's... He's he's tough on the feet, man, and uh, I look forward to the challenge. Yeah, I was I was gonna say a, a great opportunity for you to really challenge that those striking skills that you've been developing over the years against a guy who is widely regarded as one of the best kickboxers in the division. Until he fights me, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I believe I'm the best in the division uh, as far as striking and kickboxing. 
But, uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's going to be a great test for both of us. I mean, he's he. I have this flow that nobody else in the division has. And uh, that's going to be quite the test for him as well. So, we'll see what happens. Now, what did you make of his loss to Anthony Smith? Um, in all honesty, um, I wasn't impressed with either guy in that fight. But uh, it was a tough fight. I mean... I wasn't in the fight, but it was a tough fight. These guys were both exhausted at the end. So, I mean, they put everything into it, so I, I respect them for that. But uh, technique-wise, I wasn't overly impressed. Now, there, there's been a lot of similarities that can be drawn, or some similarities, rather, between yourself and Volkan. Volkan quickly climbed, climbed the ranks in 2017, went from relatively unknown with the casual fans to finding himself with a, with a title fight, just three fights into the UFC. The comparison for me here, obviously, being that how quickly you're climbing the ranks now and becoming a household name kind of overnight with that win over OSP. Would you agree with that assessment that you guys kind of share that? And, and you know, you're um, both somewhat. climbing the ranks. I mean, I, I would say that mine's been more of a gradual plotted rise. True. When his, his is more of a instant fame kind of thing. Coming in and just knocking off three of the top guys at the time. That was very impressive. But mine has been more um, growth in between fights and more uh, time to really see um, where I am and get the right fights for the next step in my career where his were just against top guys. Right, right. And, of course, the difference here being that you plan on remaining undefeated all the way to the top, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and that, yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, and I guess you could say, in, in my opinion, I feel I'm doing it the right way as opposed to the, you know, microwave instant success way. Yeah, man, we see that a lot. Some guys get thrown to the wolves too quickly. And, you know, well, even with Volkan, I mean, those two, uh, the the short notice fight he had was very impressive, that win. And then the two knockouts, also very impressive. But then to just be thrown into the fight with DC, he definitely could have used some more time to develop. So, like you're saying, a lot of the time it's better to gradually build your way up. So when you get there, you're truly ready. Absolutely. And I feel it's uh, what you want, you know, long-term, short-term goals, you know, um, like for instance, he got, he got a big payday off that, uh, Cormier fight. True. You know, bottom line, he got paid. So that was his goal at the time to get paid, you know, get the title shot, get paid. I feel like this is kind of the same thing with Smith, but he's, you know, he's had a lot more fights obviously. And he's kind of, you know, done more in terms of fighting. I mean, he was at 40 some odd fights, but you know, it's, it's short-term, long-term goals. What do you want out of your career? What do you want in the next six months? You know? And, uh, for me, it's, I'm at the point now where I could fight Vulcan and then fight for a number one contender and then fight for the belt. Right. You know? And that makes perfect sense. Right. And my long-term goal is to be undefeated, you know, and retire undefeated. <laughs> so right. I'd like to, uh, take the steps necessary to get there. We all have our own path, and this is my path, and I'm very happy with it. And you've certainly been blazing that trail so far, my friend. Uh, give us your thoughts on competing at the at, in London at the famed O2 Arena. Another amazing opportunity for you to expand the brand. Dude, I cannot wait. <laughs> cannot wait. All capitals. <laughs> <laughs> 
is man like the bigger the stage man the, the more it gets me excited i hear the o2 is absolutely raucous and insane and the fans are passionate and drunk and it's gonna be amazing yeah, I mean, the, the London, obviously Liverpool, London, I, I, anywhere in England, to be honest with you, it seems like they really are appreciative when the UFC comes over and they are some rowdy, rowdy fight fans, like you said. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, <sighs> gets me excited, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, just thinking about it, the crowd and and the, the whole atmosphere and being in another country, London, you know, somewhere I've always wanted to be, you know, I've always wanted to fight in London or just even visit London, you know, as a tourist. But now I get to fight in front of all these fans, you know, the day before St. Patrick's Day. Even yeah, that's going to be wild. <laughs> that's going to be wild. Are you going to take gonna a few days? Amazing. Are you going to take a few days after the flight to kind of explore and enjoy the scenery? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm going to spend the net, like, uh, I think it's four days after the fight, and then I'm going to try to fly out to tennis, uh, Nashville for that card. Awesome. Awesome. Now, uh, the crowd's likely going to be hostile, you know, since this fight is in Europe. And, uh, you Maybe. know, Vol- Vol- Volcom being Swiss, I'm just assuming that a good amount of fans will, will migrate over to- for the event. Uh, but I'd imagine either way, you're excited to spoil the party for all those Swiss fans. Yeah, it Swiss doesn't fans, matter. Right? Just noise. Right, <laughs> I just right. need some noise, man. <laughs> <laughs> and and all, I, all I know is Swiss is neutral and, you know, <laughs> well, technically i should be the hometown favorite <laughs> <laughs> not to mention man you've had an uncanny ability to win fans over during your performances i'm sure this will be no different absolutely man i mean that's i i take so much pride in that like performing and just my performances get people excited about me my performance get people backing me you know all my fans have come from my performances not necessarily from what i've said or running around saying this or that. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> performances, oh. man. So the UFC is all about. Right, right. And it's something special to see the fans sway from one, one side to another during a matchup just based on how well you're doing out there. So, uh, I mean, like I said, you've had that ability in multiple fights. I have no doubt. Be able to do it one more time here in London. Oh, yeah, and then many more times. For sure. <laughs> it's just another step, man. It's like a true, blessed opportunity to get to do what I love, man. And like, dreams coming true every single time I fight. It's a dream come true. So a win over Volkan, that puts you at number five. Then it's got to be one or two more before you challenge for the belt. We're certainly on track for your plan to be champ by the end of 2019, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, December. Makes sense. Three fights this year third fight being a title fight right new year's eve card it couldn't get better than that man that would be sweet that would be sweet speaking of being a champ uh give us your thoughts on the return of john jones and his performance against uh gustafson uh congratulations you know he's back that's that's what's up um now i have uh someone to really that i've always wanted to you know fight i get to fight hopefully um and his performance in uh in la at the forum was he won <laughs> can't get better than that <laughs> right what was your I reaction mean, to all the shady shit that went down with the drug test and moving the entire event the week of the fight do you think he's innocent this time around or is this just uh i, some I shady, think this time around drama? he's innocent but yeah. i mean 
it's John, man. Like, right. you know, we don't know what's going on. Like, he's he honestly, man. Before the last time he got popped, I was back on Team Jones. You know, I was like, yeah, John's back, super cool. And then he broke my heart again. I was like, you know what? Nah. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Get for, this guy. <laughs> for, for, for me personally, when he came back before that last that you know being popped the last time. When he had come back and they were doing all the promo stuff for him in DC, he was kind of embracing that bad guy role, and I was starting to dig that. I was like, "All right, there you go, John. You know, go for it." I felt the same way, dude. And I'm like, "Go for it," and then he pops again, and I'm like, "Ah, come on!" But come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Can't we keep doing this to us, man? Right, what gu- are you doing? I guess we're at a point that it's you know when John fights, you got to expect some kind of controversy, right? Yeah, I mean, that's John. I mean, m- most talented, you know. Most gifted, that's for sure. Um, I mean, he's got 84-inch reach. Right. Can't get more gifted than that. Yeah, yeah, tough to deal with, very tough to deal with. Who are you picking between uh, Jones and Smith? Oh, Jones, for sure. Yeah, you think this is an instance of maybe uh, Anthony bit off a bit more than he can chew? or? I think it's just Anthony just getting paid before he's done. Right, right. To be honest, I mean, I'm hoping he doesn't retire after this fight. Because I still got a bone to pick with the guy, but we'll see. Right, where, where did that uh, where did that all stem from? R- refresh my memory. I know you got a got a bit of a I beef mean, with uh, with Smith. Honestly, I was you know I couldn't I couldn't I didn't have any fights set up. Looking for a fight, he was available. So I said, "Hey, man, um, you say you're training in the off season. Let's fight in February, March." And then he got all up in arms about it because he had this whole plan to not fight anybody until he fights Jones or Gus. And apparently his plan paid off for him. Right. Hey, and you know what? And, and, I, and I have four wins and light heavyweight. He has three. So I was like, hey, man, this will be a good fight. People want to see this. Let's do it. Right. And and given given he has some impressive performances since moving to light heavyweight, um, you know, at, at the same time, man, moving up those ranks that quickly, like we were talking about, I don't know. I think uh, it would have been nice to give a guy like yourself the opportunity to really determine who that number one contender was or, or who the guy should be fighting Jones is. But I, I think mean, that's exactly I, I, how I felt. But I think that a lot of this has to do with Jones wanting to fight Smith, right? I mean, I think so. Is either that or yeah? Well, because Corey Anderson's not available right away because he wanted to fight Anderson. Too. Um, but I don't know. I think the lobbying by uh, Smith just ended up working out for him. Yeah. Now, regardless of what happens in that fight, I'm sure that maybe not a part of you, but I'm I'm relatively sure that you want Jones to remain champion until the yeah. day that, that you get that opportunity to dethrone him. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to beat Jones until I beat him. That's for sure. Now, what makes you the toughest matchup for Jones, you know, going forward in your opinion? I haven't been beaten, and I'm continuing to get better every day. And I have the athletic ability to to match Jones's. I think I'm honestly a better athlete. He just is a champ. (laughs) Right. You know, like, put us in a combine, I'll beat him athletically. But he's a fantastic fighter. Um, but I feel I also have the mental game to hang with Jones 
you know, I'm not scared of Jones at all. Right, I think that's a big portion of it, right? Like we saw with Anderson Silva, it's happened with Jones. People are defeating themselves before they even step in there against him. I mean, I have a tremendous amount. I mean, don't get me wrong at all. Like at all, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Jones as a fighter. Of course, but I know I could beat him. Now, in regard in regards to the range and the reach and everything, I mean, uh, I, that that seems to be one of the biggest problems that the guys have at light heavyweight. With aside from Gus being a, a taller guy, you're you're on the taller end of this division. I mean, that shouldn't be a problem for you, right? Um, no. Um, especially with my boxing. Um, I, I'm pretty. I'm really good at getting inside. Um, and I've seen smaller guys get inside on Jones. Like DC, for instance. Right. You know, so I have no doubt in my mind that I'll be able to make some clean contact with Jones. Now, John took notice of Anthony Smith. Do you think he's got his eye on you as well? I already know he has his eye on me. He's mentioned me in interviews before. He's as one of the, like, the up-and-coming guys that he, like, he was like, all right, there's some guys out there, and I was one of the guys that he mentioned. And that's only got to build confidence, right? Oh, absolutely. And then he was he liked <laughs> – this is kind of minuscule, but he liked uh, my my post after I beat OSP. Shit, man, I think everybody liked that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think because he could kind of compare, you know. He fought OSP too. Right, right. You know, like I'm the only guy who fought somebody he's fought, you know. For like in the last while, except for Vulcan against Cormier, but he got destroyed. True, true. So the the commonality in there, you, you think you think that's something he's he, he definitely had his eye on. Well, it's definitely something that's interesting for sure. I mean, when you fight someone and uh, they fight again, you're always interested in their fights. And not to mention that was arguably his worst performance in a long time against OSP. I agree. I agree. Right. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, man, uh, I mean, the ghost fight wasn't a great performance from him, but he won. It was very dominant on the ground. It was actually very impressive on the ground with that ground and pound. But well, that's kind of what I we mean, expected. Gus wasn't right? really doing the right things either. So yeah. it's one right. of those situations where it's like you could say all this and that, whatever. But nobody will know until you actually get in there with them. Like, I, I know, you know, like you'll. Like, I, I understand techniques. I understand how to get out of situations. I understand this, that, and the other. But none of that matters until you actually get in there and do it. Absolutely. There's so many outside factors and, and so many things to consider. Uh, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. Until you finally get in there and throw down, it's all just uh, speculation. Yeah. That's all it is, always. <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> Part of what keeps this sport going, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, man. Uh Another win in the books in March. You'll be knocking on that door more loudly than you already are, in my opinion. I'm sure we'll catch up again before the fight in March. But until then, tell all the fans out there what they can expect on fight night and tell Volkan what he's in for when he makes that walk to the cage in London. No doubt. All right, London fans and all UFC fans around the world, don't miss UFC London March 16th. I'm going to be in the, on the card freaking throwing down with Vulcan Uzdemir, right? Is that correct? Yeah, Uzdemir. I, I, I've always called him Uzdemir, but whatever, you know? Okay. 
Vulcan's Vulcan. We're gonna throw down. I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna have a lot of fun out there, and you guys aren't gonna want to miss it because when the Devastators having fun, somebody's getting hurt. Absolutely on ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus, yes. Don't miss it, folks. All right, and before we let you go, shout out, sponsor plugs. The floor is yours, and make sure you remind everybody where they can find you on social media. All right, shout out to BJPen.com. Thank you. BJ. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Shout out to uh, my my team, Team Elevation, Cobra Kai, um, Team Reyes. Um, shout out to my family. Shout out to my sponsors, Nutrition Edge, um, Dr. Stein, um, Unhinged Barn Door Candles, uh, Virtuous, and uh, if I missed you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think that's it. All right, a c- couple things real quick. Uh, you mentioned BJPen.com. I know you ran into Chris. Mm-hmm, I did. In the event, yeah, I mean, he, he spoke super highly of you. When he when he uh, texted us all after the fact, I said, man, you should have dropped a Ricky Morty reference, but uh, uh, I yeah. missed him. <laughs> and, second, like, uh, <laughs> and second, what, did you say Barn Door Candles? Yeah. Tell us about that sponsor. Oh, dude, so they're like recovery candles, man. Oh, like, okay, okay. The, the scents are like, uh, like, you know, get you to really relax. And then the wax is infused with CBD, so after you could rub it on your, your joints. Oh, wow. It's really cool. That's awesome. Soy, soy wax with uh, CBD oil. Great for recovery. Oh, very cool stuff, man. As soon as you mentioned candles, I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? Right. All right, listen, Dom, always a pleasure. Get Swifty yeah, in training camp, and we'll chat again, sco- uh, chat again soon, rather. Cobra Kai never die, brother. Let's go. Get Swifty. All right, my friend. All right. Peace out, man. Have Later, buddy. Day. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Always a pleasure getting Swifty with Dom Reyes. I got to tell you, man, I hope that he gets the push from the promotion that he deserves. You guys hear it in our conversations. He's such a lovable guy, a funny guy, incredible skills when it when he steps into competition. He's the total package, in my opinion, for what you want in a champion in this day and age. So all the best to the future of Dominic Reyes, and you guys know we'll be talking to him again before this fight with Volkan goes down. But let's wrap this thing up. Final guest for the first episode of 2019 for BJPenn.com Radio, The Fighter's Voice, our good friend, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. All right, Penn Nation, closing out our first show of 2019. We're joined by not only one of the, our favorite guests, but a fan favorite veteran of combat sports as well. One of the realest guys in the game today, from backyards to bright lights. Please welcome back to the show, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Thanks, as always, for taking the time to speak with us today, Gamebred. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. You know, I love being on here. Thank you for having me on again, bro. Hey, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Before we get into business, though, how were your holidays? Pretty cool. I, I don't really celebrate the holidays besides New Year's, you know, but uh, yeah, man, they were pretty fucking dope, actually, bro. Very good. What'd you do for New Year's? Uh, I was with my family, my daughter and my son. We we went to a couple little barbecues, had some fireworks, and uh, just kicked it with the fam, ate a lot of food, and, and I got this lady that's got the dope hookup for the fireworks. And they roll up to your house with a van full of stuff that goes up in the air, and uh, it's cool. You just pick and choose what you want and fucking set the sky on fire. What? Really? <laughs> they show up to your house in a van and start setting off fireworks? That's pretty sick. Yeah, no, you, you tell them what you want, you buy it, and you set it off. 
Oh, wow. What's the laws now? I know the laws are a lot more lax there in Florida than they are like up here in the Northeast. But They're illegal. Those fireworks are illegal. Completely illegal. Wow. Completely illegal. I probably just got myself five months in jail. <laughs> we can cut that part out if you want. But uh, so looking ahead here for 2019, what game? What is Game Bread's motto for 2019? Man, fight, bro, and fight often, and have fun, and 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 I don't know. Just get back to it. Just get back to it. I miss it, man. Being so long from it, there wasn't a day I didn't think about it. While I was nursing a couple of injuries, I was like, man, this sucks, you know. But once you nurse those injuries and you're good and I'm back to running as many miles as I want a day or doing whatever I want, you really start to miss it. Like, what's holding me back from fighting, you know? I, I was literally going to take a fight in a week's notice if I could have. If things would have gone right, I would have took it just to fight, just to compete because I, I love fighting, you know. It's not a... It's not so crazy as some people make it sound like it's the end of the world, man. I mean, we're in a fight league where we're here to fight. You know, you don't hear about basketball players not wanting to play basketball. I mean, I know lockouts and things like that happen, but they're in there to play ball. I mean, I'm, I'm in here to fight, you know. And, right. And some guys are just bred to do this shit, much like yourself. But 2018 was a rough year for you, man, in regards to fighting. Uh, you had some setbacks out of the cage that, that, that kept you out of competition. When you finally came back after the reality show, there weren't any good matchups available for you. Then towards the end of the year, we get the news that the UFC wanted to book an incredible matchup between yourself and Nick Diaz. Then that falls through. I'd imagine you're pretty happy to leave 2018 in the rear view and, and finally get back to work. I'm so excited to get back to work. You know, I've been uh, been jumping through hoops, hula hoops and stuff to, to get a fight cracking. I still don't have nothing official, so... Uh... I'm just here, man, fucking waiting for that official whistle to blow me to take somebody's head off. Yeah, you, you mentioned nothing being official. I'll get to that in a moment here. But but just to stay on the Diaz fight for a moment, uh, the fans and the media, we all got very hyped up for that matchup. Uh, then we read the, the reports that Nick had declined the matchup entirely. Uh, is that how it went behind the scenes as far as you know? And how disappointing was it to hear that Nick didn't want this fight, a fight that, I mean, everybody knows your two styles would have made probably the fight of the year. Oh, man, I was bummed out. You know, like you said, our our, our fight styles are just, I don't know, when you, you're a fight fan and you think of fights, you're like, man, I want to see what these two dogs are doing to each other, you know? Right. What dog is going to give in first to the other dog's will? Because that's really what it comes to. It doesn't even come to the skill so much in that fight. I mean, skill always plays a part in every fight, but people wanted to see that fight for the dog that we bring to the fight, you know? Tired or hurt, we're going to just fight, you know? And that's why I really think people wanted to see that fight. Um, I really wanted to, 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 to be a part of that fight for that reason, you know? The guy that wins that is one of the most gamest guys that ever stepped in the ring that they right. just compete, you know? So that badge of honor, uh, I didn't have a chance to compete for it. But whatever, man, I'm not, I, it's so in the rearview mirror already. I was bummed out at first, but it's in the past already. I'm just, who's next? That's right. all I'm thinking. Right. Well, I know we talked about it many times, and like you were just discussing, that is a scrap for the ages. Are you holding out any hope that it might still be possible in the future, or is it bygones be bygones at this point? If it happens, it happens, man. Um, obviously, the opportunity got presented, and, and things were a little bit different. And, uh, um, I don't know, as concrete as it could be, yeah, this fight has to happen. Like you said, it's for the ages. Once we're in the ring, the the, the hot-bloodedness is going to take over, and, and we're going to put on the show of the millennium. And it's going to be two Latin dudes 
main eventing a, a epic show like that, a huge show, which is another badge of honor for me. You know, uh, I don't think two Latin people fighting each other has has uh, created that much hype, I would say, or pop, or could be candidate for one of the best yeah, fights ever. Definitely also, not in this sport. Definitely not in this sport. Maybe in boxing, but not in mixed martial arts. In, in boxing, countless amount of, of pay per view blockbusters that we've thrown down the lines. You know, but uh, it'd be good to 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 throw to showcase for my Latin people, for all my fans, but just just especially, I know the Latin people really love that fight because it's two Latin dudes. It's 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 gonna be huge in the Latin community, and I wanted to give them that that little gem, you know. Right, right, absolutely. Well, like you said, man, you can't focus too much on the rear view, but I would be hopeful that 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 fight does get made in the future. It would truly be a uh, a special treat for all the fans and anybody that loves this sport. But um, you recently said publicly that you'd love to fight Darren Till in London and that you thrive in hostile environments. Since then, just I think it was just today, Dana White has announced that you'll be getting that matchup. I know you said that you're, uh, you know, you're not going to believe anything till you finally walk to the cage, man. But how excited are you at the prospect of fighting Darren Till? Not even the least bit excited, man. <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to sound like a Debbie Downer, or I hate to even point fingers, but uh. Dana, I, I I think if my memory serves me right, Dana had released something about me and Nick going down as well. True. Right. And, True. And, right. Or because I, I I didn't um I I got it like in a I don't I'm I, I barely got on social media so my friend sent it to me on a group text message with a bunch of other people and I saw something and I skimmed through and I was like oh it's official as hell Dana White is saying I'm fighting this guy I can't get no more official than that then just days later I find out mm, it's probably not happening till it's not happening you know. So that being said, man, uh, Dana's the one that just announced it, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Because I think our guys jumped on it before even Brett Akamoto got a chance to. Yeah, so I'm just I'm gonna wait till uh, till I'm in the cage. <laughs> right. You know, it's been a bumpy ride. There's been a lot of dudes that that said yes, no. The whole public has seen my story. I've whored myself out to every fight possible. Hey, I'll take this fight. I'll take that fight. And uh. Shit, man, I'm just trying to fight, man. I keep saying the word fight so much, people listening to this interview are going to be like, please stop saying that word. But well, the only I, I way to stop you from saying it is to give you a damn fight, right? Yeah, yeah I just want to scrap. You know, Dana coming out there and putting that out there, I'm I'm guessing maybe uh, Till signed or something, or, or they like what, what he had to say, you know? So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to wait till I'm in the cage, or I'm in London at least. Before so, I started getting happy. So on your end, though, at this point, the Cowboys haven't hit you up and said, "Here's the here's the contract. We've got this fight. Sign it." Uh, not not as of yet. You know, I'm hearing we're work. I'm hearing we're working on it, but I haven't gotten official. You know, hey, uh, this thing is on. You know, get ready to ship out to England. You know, I haven't got that phone call yet. Right, right. Now, assuming that this fight does actually take place, uh, hoping that it does, it would be pretty cool to respectfully call a guy out on social media, then the fight gets made. That's a really nice change of pace from from the way things have been for you in the past, right? I think so. I mean, it's the way it should be. If I got respect from somebody at the beginning, I'll have it towards the end, you know, especially if they're not like a punk, you know. I don't think Till's a punk, you know. The first time he called me out, I thought it was awesome the way he did it because I see a lot of fighters out there that I want to fight, that I want to knock him out. And it's nothing personal. It's because I actually think they're good. I'm like, man, I'm the type of guy that I want to get in there and go with the best and and see where my talent really lies, where my gameness really lies. You know, so when I call guys out, and especially I do it like in a cool way, like, hey, bro, you want to throw down? You want to fight? 
I expect it to be that. But when guys already start with the, your mom's a whore and your kids this or, you know, not that anybody's talking about my kids, but I see that the sport is gravitating towards that. It's just corny, bro. And it's cool to take competitive shots like, you know, you're slow as a mummy. You'd never hit me, things like that. But to get personal and start digging into people's lives, wives, kids, religion, you know, things like that. It's To me, it's straight up corny. It's just one of the corniest things you could do. You're just trying to generate headlines. This new age of shitty fighter. They're a blue belt everywhere, but they got a black belt in Twitter. Is so fucking annoying, man. It's so damaging to the sport because the new guys, the, the 12 and 13 year old kids that are watching this, are seeing this and saying, "Oh, but if you get a, if you get a title shot off talking shit, what does it matter, right?" So these kids are gonna grow up doing it to the fifth power, the shit talking that we were doing all that stuff. It's gonna become so entertainment WWE that it's not like I don't know. 20, 15 years from now, I might not want to be a part of this sport. Like, even as a spectator, if it just keeps going, that it's just right. shit talking for no reason all the time, you know? I'm here to watch fights. And if people have a lot of swag when they talk and, and they can talk smack and, and keep it cool, then that's awesome. But when you're crossing personal boundaries and stuff, it's just corny, man. You're just, you'll just say anything to get a notice, to get a, a rise from the public, to get a retweet, whether you're liked or not, you know? And especially these fighters nowadays that are coming out and hugging as hard as they can for 15 minutes. They're so scared. I'm just going to hug for my life for 15 minutes. And then I'm going to talk shit on social media about how good <laughs> I am and this and that and ask for craziness. Well, you're not even fighting, man. That's not what fighting is. You're a dry humper. You're scared for your life. And what you're doing is surviving. You're not fighting, you know? Those guys especially, just shut the fuck up already, man. Yeah, and, and it, it seems to me like I know I'm somewhat myself, but even you, more so you, man, you come from that age where you start crossing those paths with the trash talk. You need to get your chin checked. You know what I mean? It's going to happen, bro. There's there's a, a couple guys that, that didn't know probably what they were saying when they were on Twitter, but when they see me, they have to see me. Right. You know, and these two guys, when they see me, they will know, you know, because they cross the lines. I just want to talk man to man. You said something to me about me. Well, here I am. Say it now. You know, right. Fuck, what's going on, bro? You know, why, why, why come to that point? Somebody calls me out respectfully and I, hey, bro, let's throw down. Cool. Let's fucking do it. But once you cross those lines, bro, I don't care if it's at a parking lot or at your gym. If if it's if it if, uh, if you give me some type of trouble in the real life, it's gonna happen, bro. You know. You care care to mention who those guys were specifically? No, nah, I'm not even gonna do it just for you know uh, legal reasons. But I'm sure the word will get, <laughs> right. when I when I run into these people, the, the word will get out. Somebody will have a phone out and record it like some little fucking TMZ slut, and it'll be all over the place. But yeah, these people I'll definitely have to see them on the face to face and address them and tell them what's going on, bro. Just like uh, that one-eyed fuck Bisping, every time I see him, I got to let him know, you're the bitch of the two of us. You are the beta here. I got to constantly remind you because you crossed the line for no reason that you're a nobody. So every time I see that guy, I got to let him know, remind him, you know? Yeah, it's it's crazy that that shit, that's, that's still ongoing. I mean, you guys had the opportunity to squash it there a couple times, and I mean, he, he crossed that line. I mean, it, it is what it is now. That guy's a habitual line crosser. And this is not just with me. He's crossed the line with uh, with numerous people, you know. It's just I won't stand for it, whether it's him then later messaging me saying, bro, it's all good, it's just business or not. I don't give a damn, bro. Just go go do that shit with your friends, your your brother-in-law, whoever the hell you want. Don't involve me in your pettiness, you know, especially when, when I didn't start this thing, you know. I just said a couple things like he doesn't want to fight Joel or something like that, I said. And this guy took off on me like, nah, 
bro. You got you know, keep those words to yourself. You might get yourself in trouble one day. Absolutely. Uh, I like the uh, Dave Chappelle reference there, habitual line stepper. <laughs> Big cool line stepper. <laughs> all right, so listen, I mean, uh, all of that BS aside, obviously there's a couple guys that, that, that when you catch them outside of the cage, they're going to have some answering to do. But looking inside the cage, again, we know that this fight isn't a done deal yet, but if it was to be, how do you think you match up stylistically with a guy like Darren Till? You know, he's a guy that likes to stand and trade. That's the kind of fight that you've been hungry for, right? I'm, I'm I'm just hungry right now, in particular at this time of my career for a fight. You know, granted that that Till's gonna come to fight, which is what I'm hoping. No, I have magic in my hands. We have all the fireworks to put in together to make a, a a great show for the fans, for everybody watching, and more than anything, just just to push myself. You know, just to to go with a with a good young welterweight that's big that just fought for the title. I've been out for a year. I think it's a great mom marker for me of how the rest of the year will be you know right it's a very good barometer for where you stack up in the division too since you've been out of fighting for for i don't know almost a year over a year now um he has a history of missing weight though and size has been a big concern uh you know when it comes to 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 weighing in and and the fight being official if this fight does get signed is that going to be an issue for you you're going to be concerned about him making weight i'd imagine it's not going to make a difference for you whether or not you go out there and compete against him if he is overweight, right? Uh, the issues, like you said, it'll be on his side. Won't be no issues on my side. I've never missed weight. I didn't miss weight at 155 pounds. I had trouble making it, but I never missed a weight class. And I was a bigger 55 than he is a 70-pounder. Right. So um, so I, a lot of that falls on the discipline. Like, what, what are you doing in your off time? Are you, are you eating the right stuff? Are you running enough miles, you know? So to me, it's always like, man, you, you disrespected yourself and me because we agreed. We both signed on a weight, and we agreed as men that this would be the weight that we compete on. Everybody knows that when you hit the wall and you have two, three pounds to go, it's not the same as the guy that makes the weight that hit the wall and said, somehow some way i'm gonna dig deeper and deeper and deeper till i make the weight yeah my gas tank is gonna be fucked up tomorrow my reflex is gonna be off maybe even my chin's not even the same because i had to suck my body out so hard but you know what i agreed to fight at this weight class and that's what i'm gonna do and that's what i've always done you know so i hope till um being the classy dude that i've seen him be a lot of times makes the weight bro like like the fighters that we are we're, we're signing on a weight class because if he's not gonna make the weight then just say right now there's no point for me to cut the 170 either you know right we're doing you were doing a catch weight well let's fucking do it uh, uh ways in advance don't make me cut the weight and after i cut the weight somebody says no i can't make the weight that's not cool you know i did the full sprint you did half the sprint and now you want to you want to catch me fresh you know i i think it's just fair both guys make the weight and compete if you can't make the weight say the way ahead of time you know Absolutely, absolutely. And and to your point, a lot of people think that he should be competing at middleweight. Do you think size would be a big factor going into this fight in regards to his, his height and his reach? Uh, I don't know how, how tall he is and how much his reach is, but I know one thing for a fact, he's not faster than me. So he could be bigger and all that stuff, but I'm going to be faster than him throughout the whole night, you know? Now, is this fight, obviously, we're, we're, we're speaking as if this is not official yet, but is this proposed? Has it been proposed to you as the main event? Uh, man, I mean, UFC showed interest in it, you know, but there's still a lot of, like, uh, factors, you know. Like, I haven't signed anything yet, and I don't know that Till signed anything yet, so I'm waiting for those signatures to happen for me to get excited. Then I'm waiting for, I don't know, a uh, supernatural confirmation because, man, the, right. president, <laughs> the, the president of this company 
imagine how close this fight was to done or done that the president of the company that I compete for came out saying that me and and uh, the other counterpart at the time was official. Long behold, it's not official. What the fuck? How, how does that happen? Right. Well, that that sounds to me like maybe verbal agreement. They got Nick to agree verbally somewhere along the line, and then the numbers weren't right, and he didn't sign a damn thing. So I agree, man. Your frustration, like, I wouldn't believe anything that was said to me ever. So I, I can't blame you, man. Yeah, so I'm just I'm just chilling, man. What? When when I got some type of supernatural sign from the heavens that this thing is on, then it's on. But to then I'm just chilling, training, just just doing me, man, having a good old time. Now the the uh, the opportunity. I know you said you want you you thrive in hostile environments, but the opportunity to compete in a place like the O2 Arena is that like a bucket list moment for you? Uh, no, nah, not really. I don't know too much about the arena, O2 Arena, or about sports in general. What's not on the bucket list is seeing a lot of my American counterparts go over there and get some of the biggest robberies I've seen. And that that's another reason why people don't want to go to England and fight anybody, and I just tell any, anybody over there, because England probably has some of the worst judging I've seen in the whole world. And yeah, it's horrendous. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be saying this right before I, I go over there and compete, because the judges are going to extra be looking out for me. <laughs> right. But, I've really seen some world-class bad judging over there to where I see a 30-27 for one guy, and then it ends up being 29-28 for the English dude or whatever. And I've seen it with numerous American fighters, with numerous foreign fighters to England. I've never fought in England, so it's not like I got a previous bad bone with him or nothing, but I, I have seen a lot of decisions that that have been epically bad you know it's just like a straight robbery mafia type thing and it's not cool man you know does that, does, does that stop you from signing the contract if they propose it to you for the o2 in london uh that, that doesn't stop me from signing the contract but that does bring up other questions you know right like why can't it be fair you know why can't it be one american judge one english judge and let's get a neutralized judge from switzerland something right. <laughs> you're, gonna have, you're gonna have three English judges while I'm in England. You know, I went to Korea, South Korea, and I fought a Korean and lost a split decision. That that right there is another one of those things where I know I'm going in the hostile territory, and I probably win that decision nine out of ten times in America, but I lose a split decision to a Korean in South Korea. You know, I don't I don't want to be as a, as it is right now. I got four split decisions in the UFC. I have the most split decision losses in the UFC. Not something to be proud of. But at the same time, bro, I don't want to add a fifth one, you know. So I'm, I'm going there to, to win impressively, knowing that these judges are not going to give me shit. If I take him down and I'm on top of him for five rounds straight, I, I might still lose a split decision, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned that you have the most in the company, but a couple of those were, you know, uh, strong arm robberies, man. I mean, the Iaquinta fight, there, you got screwed for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been screwed a couple of times, but man, I don't want to like dwell on the past. I'm just gonna go with everything on this one you know take right. all the errors that i've learned in the past and just uh clean them out you know make sure i don't get hit with those now in regards to thriving in the hostile environment like you were talking about what is it about that situation that makes you rise to the occasion i mean it's a fight right we're, we're going out there to fight you're getting a lot of booze or you're getting a lot of love or sometimes you're not you know it, different fighters have different emotions and man i i don't mind the booze at all though you're going to get knocked out, fuck you, you're going to lose, you're going to die. All those things, they just make me laugh, you know. A lot of times I'm just, I'm laughing, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy inside when I hear those things because I'm like, man, 
these people got no idea what I'm about to do, man. And, <laughs> and, and I love to take the wind out of the arena. You know, I've, I've done that a couple of times in my career before in Japan. It was one of the first times I did that of uh, Colorado. I got to do that with yeah. Cowboy. I just love to take the air, the soul out of people, you know, and not just a person I'm fighting, but everybody watching. So if I could stop somebody in their hometown and just make the whole crowd shut the fuck up for like a couple seconds, man, that's the cherry on top. Right. Hear, hear that pin drop in the crowd as you just shut them all up. Ooh. That, that, that's gotta be a really beautiful feeling. Ooh, that feeling only a couple fighters know what I'm talking about with that feeling is like, it's amazing, man. You just went over that town and you took over. This is my land now. Right. This is fucking island i come all the way from fucking miami florida from cuba but I'm, I'm coming here to england to take over now it's my island you know right <laughs> the cuban takeover of uh of england so yes, <laughs> that that call out though the call out of till i'm wondering if this is one of those guys that, that, that you say you need to need to chat with in person but that call out led leon edwards to speaking your name he recently said that the matchup makes no sense because you're unknown in england which I find very hard to believe. Gamebred is an international star, right? I mean, not to mention that I think you've told me personally that the UK fans deserve a show from you. Oh, man. It, I mean, who, for starters, who the fuck is Leon? You know, who, who is this guy, bro? Is that the gloves? Are you talking about the guy that makes those boxing gloves, Leon or whatever? Because I don't know who the fuck Leon is, bro. That guy hasn't done anything in this sport, but he's just talking. This, this is one of those blue belts in fighting, black belt in Twitter, though. Right. Keep your black belt on Twitter, Leon. You know, this fight makes no sense or whatever sense it does make to him. I'm more known in his hometown than him. And I'm not lying. These are just numbers, you know. You, you could look at the social media where my followers are coming from, and a good margin of them come from England. good margin of them come from New York, California, Miami. And one of my top four places is England. So... This guy's an idiot, man. England fans are super educated. They've been watching fights forever. They've had a lot of great fighters come out of there, like Brad Pickett and stuff. So they know about fighting, Leon. Stop trying to lie to the public. Don't nobody want to see your fucking ass fight, man. You're a joke, you know? I, I have to tell this guy how it really is because I, I, I had a little bit of respect for this guy. Maybe last year, said he wanted to fight. I said, let's do it. He was talking about at the end of the year, I was like, Bro, were you calling me out to fight me six months later? I was trying to get a scrap. It didn't happen. I went into the reality show. I got out. I was trying to find the fight. I'm getting offered the Nick Diaz fight. And while that's going on, this guy comes out of nowhere and starts calling me a pussy and this and that. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened, bro? I thought I thought we were going to scrap. And, you know, it, it would come to that because he was one of the options on the table. Obviously, I wanted Nick Diaz because he's a fucking much better fighter than this guy will ever be. And he's a bigger name. So I wanted the Nick Diaz fight, and while that's going on, this guy takes the talking shit like a girl. Like, I want attention. Please give me attention. No, bro, stop. Now you expose yourself. That's who you are. You're a little slut. You'll get yours, you know? I don't know when, but you'll get yours, you know? And, and these guys acting thug life, man, to the fans hearing, all these guys that you see thugged out on Twitter or on Instagram or doing something of the nature that would lead you to believe that this guy's mafia related or something they're not because backstage they turn super fanboy groupie and they're always asking for pictures and i never asked nobody for a picture but let me take a picture with you or they're just being like major bitches so all these thugged out twitter motherfuckers stop just right. stop 
Right. It, go, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. Like, let's let's bring back the realness to the sport. Let's everybody quit fake being hard on social media just so you can get the fights you want. And let's bring the realness back. That's why you're here, right? Be yourself, man. Be yourself. Be your fucking self, man. Anderson Silva was kicking everybody's ass and just laughing about it, just having a good old time. Mark Coleman was double-legging people across the ring, talking smack for entertainment purposes, but, bro, not digging into people's lives and stuff like that or assaulting their character, you know? Right. From the sport, the purity of the sport, where we just wanted to fight and find out who's the best in the world to now, who's the best shit-talker in the world, who's the best fucking uh, Instagram poster in the world, you know? It's nuts. Now, getting away from this, to, to focus on uh, the possibilities at 170 with this idea of till nothing being official for you and you not believe in a damn thing till the contract is signed, uh, who else is who else is uh, on your mind at this point? It seems like everybody's kind of tied up. Are you still sticking with the top 15, top 10 like before? I mean, you're not willing to take a fight outside of that? Oh, I'm willing to take a fight out of that. <laughs> I just I wanted to start my way at the top five. Right, and work okay. your way down, but- yeah. Nobody there wanted to fly me top 10. Nobody there top 15. Nobody there. Okay, we'll, we'll just keep looking. You know, I mean, Nick is not even ranked, you know, when I was getting that fight. True, but true. It, it's, it's just a huge fight. It was a fight that, that made a lot of sense, you know. So it's not necessarily the ranking. Uh, it could be a combination of things, you know. Now, last time we spoke, you had mentioned the possibility of going back down to lightweight. Is that still an option for you at this point? Have you entertained that idea with the UFC at all? Uh, I think we've had brief talks about it, but um, my initial goal was first to get one off at seventy, right, and then from there coast my way on down to as low as I possibly could, you know. But I, I would like it that my first fight back, and I, I'm not gonna be sucking out twenty pounds of water in a week, you know. I I, I would rather that uh that I'm on the healthy side since I've been out for a year. I don't want to have to cut that type of weight and then fight, you know, with a with a little bit of ring rust, you know. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be, I mean, it'd be crazy to go from not having to, to be in a fight camp and do a weight cut for a year. And then all of a sudden you're dropping back down to 155. That would be grueling to say the least. Yeah. Now, uh, plenty of exciting fights for you at 155 though. And honestly, probably some bigger paydays. I think, would you agree with that? Yeah. If, if I could get my hands on a Khabib or Connor, the paydays are, are insane. You know, um, Outside of that, I don't know. I think maybe they're they're the same. Then you know, there's Tony Ferguson, there's uh Kevin Lee, Al that I love the fight. They get the rematch. You know, there, there's a lot of good fights here. You know, so after this fight, we'll we'll get back to the drawing board and see what'll make the most dollars and chase after that. Now you uh you had mentioned Al's name recently, saying that you would love that rematch. I believe it was with MMA Junkie. Uh, has Al responded to that at all that you know of? No, not that I know of, man. What did you make of his fight with uh, Kevin Lee? I didn't get the seat. I was out of town, but uh, they told me that, bro, he mopped him up, that he that he beat him up pretty thoroughly. I don't know because I didn't see the fight, but that's what I heard from like numerous sources that he won convincingly. Yeah, yeah, no, he looked very good. He looked very good. So, obviously, to get the fight at 171st, then move down to 155, or is it just, sounds to me like it's basically all about opportunities for you at this point. Whatever weight class proposes the biggest opportunity, that's what you're going to go for. Yes, sir, because if after the Till fight, they offer me a rematch with Wonderboy, man, everybody, I'm putting everything aside for Wonderboy, you know? Right. And when after that, you know, if after the Till fight, they offer me, I don't know, so-and-so at 155 that's top 10, and that's the best fight I have out, then maybe I, I take that gamble, you know? 
Absolutely. Like, hey, you're at a stage, man, where you got to do what's best for you, what's best for business, and best for your pockets, right? So I agree with you. Yes, man. sir. Now, uh, changing gears here for a minute, I wanted to get your take on all this stuff that's going on with Colby. Uh, he's pretty pissed off about being snubbed for the Woodley fight. He's requested his release from the UFC. I spoke to him, uh, I don't know, four or five days ago, and he was fired up as usual. What do you make of this situation, and, and have you discussed it all with, discussed it at all with him? Man, I've been traveling. I haven't been talking to nobody. I've been been in a seclusion of sorts, you know, after coming out from the show, being so alone so much of the day with no phone, no TV, no music. I just, I'm not on the phone as much as I used to be. I don't see people as much as I used to be. I just train and get the F out of the gym and go, uh, go just rest, recover, and ease up the mind, you know. So I haven't got the details of it, of what happened and what didn't, you know, like uh, a couple of people tell me, but I haven't heard it from, like, the horse's mouth. So, I, man, I really don't know, man. I got no comments for it, you know. I, I know that uh, Kobe was, when I left, um, Kobe had just won the title. So I figured by the time I'd get back from this show that he would have competed for the title. When I got back, it was a surprise to me. Till fought for the title, and now Usman. Um, I don't know really what's happened. I know Kobe got injured and had a surgery. I know Woodley had a surgery as well, and the dates were moved around. I, I have no idea. You know, there's so many things that go on in, in the backroom deals. You know, maybe... They weren't going to give Kobe what they promised him, and that's it. He he didn't want to f- take the fight. I, I don't know, man. True, true, true. I mean, well, so obviously you don't know too much about the situation, and I don't want to get you involved in the situation to say the least, but, you know, when, when you next time you talk to him, do you maybe kind of have a come-to-Jesus moment with him about requesting his release, or do you think, uh, you know, he's just to do so? Uh, I got no idea what's going on in his head. I'm <laughs> Right. Maybe. Maybe they offered him big money at another company, and he's like, man, fuck this. Maybe, maybe freaking, you know, he lost his marbles or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> to ask a release is a pretty bold move, you know, like, because uh, you could lose a fight, and then they just cut you, you know. They're like, ah, didn't you want that release? Here you go. So it's a it's a brave move, you know. It's real bold. You got you to gotta have some big cojones for that. Yeah, definitely risky business, risky business. But again, I mean, if, if you're not privy to the situation, I, I don't want to dive too deep into that. Regardless, I hope, you know, this all pans out for Colby for his benefit one way or another. But getting back to the future of Game Bread, man, uh, you've, you've got a lot of lost time to make up here, make up for here in 2019. How many fights do you think you could get in realistically before the end of the year? Realistically, I could fight March, and then there's a card coming to Miami. I haven't been in Miami in years, man. I mean, I feel obligated, right, to give to my city a treat. Somebody that's born and raised in the city. Somebody that has made his craft through the city from, from growing up here. They deserve to see what one of the world's best can do, you know. And my city's not huge on UFC like a lot of other places. It just, it's pandemonium. Here, they they like it, but it's, it's a different crowd, I, I would say when it comes to like sporting events you know everybody buys the tickets last minute everything it's crazy here because there's so much stuff going on that you're like ah man fuck it you know i just right improvise last second you know so i know that's why they haven't come to miami in a while so if they come to miami in april like they say obviously i would love to headline that you know and, and give my my fans especially my fans from day one are from this city they're from here you know not the the new people that are going to come into the UFC because they're youngsters and they're watching UFC. That's awesome. I would like to perform for them as well. 
But my first fans, the first people that knew about me in amateur fights, in street yard fights, in my first pro fights, those people are from here, from Miami, Florida. So if I could give them a great showcasing here in Miami, Florida, it'd be an epic year, you know. To go to London main event, come back to Miami main event, it'd be insane, you know. Yeah, and not to mention, I mean, if you get, say you go to, let's say you do go to London, you do get the win over Till, that only sets you up for a huge fight at 170 in your backyard. That'd be a, a an amazing opportunity for you, and and definitely, I know I mentioned earlier the O2 maybe being a, a, a bucket list situation for you. Fighting in Miami, main event, big opportunity, that would definitely be bucket list for you. It. Yeah, may almost makes a bucket list. I got, I, got some, <laughs> I got some crazy bucket list, man. That one almost makes the bucket list. True, true. I guess when you fight in that many backyards down there, I guess uh, it's all kind of the same thing, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right, man. Listen, in, in conclusion, for all the Game Bread fans out there that have been eagerly waiting for you to come back, what can they all expect in 2019? And how do you visualize, if it, if it happens, let's not get ahead of ourselves, how do you visualize a possible fight with Darren Till playing out? Possible fight with Darren Till. I'm walking into the cage. The crowd is booing like crazy. Um, my coaches give me some last-minute instructions. I turn around, see Till, charge at him, and we start throwing down. I hit him. I make him miss. I take him down. I punch him in the face. He gets back up. I punch him in the face some more. I keep making him miss, punching him in the face. And then I just break his will and take over, you know, and just keep coming at him, get my hand raised at the end of the day through a lot of hard work, skill set, and determination. And that's it, man, right off into the sunset, you know. Take over the island for a day or two. Maybe I see Bisping somewhere in some freaking uh, after-hours place, slap him up just to end the night in an even better note because that guy's such a punk, talking crap to me in front of my family and kids. He's going to get it one day, you know, when the UFC officials ain't around. So if I get to see Bisping after after the tilt fight and slap him up, what a super plus, you know. That's like a 50K bonus, you know, if I just get to slap up that little trick back in his own city. Right, I bet you'd give up a post-fight bonus just for an opportunity to be alone in a room with him. A good amount of my hard-earned money, and everybody here in this knows we don't earn the money the easiest way that that can be earned. Man, I would spend a lot of my own money just to be put in the cell with him. <laughs> well, I, I I've talked to you many times about it. You you actually broke the news about that uh that uh, encounter in China from from last year, so I'm very familiar with it. Hopefully, that day comes just out of integrity, the sake of integrity for you and and for Still Bisping. Better you know? about that day. Right. Still bitter about that day. As you should, man. As you should. I mean, it sounds very ridiculous, everything that you told me. So, um, And then to think that, you know, people people hear that and they don't kind of they don't kind of check themselves on how they view that guy as a man, you know. So, hey, what are you going to do, man? You, you eventually run into him one day and, and, and settle the score then. But, listen, always appreciate the time. Always a pleasure speaking with you, Game Bread. Uh, we'll catch up again soon, hopefully before this fight goes down, if, if it does get made official. Uh, but real quick, you forgot to mention, what can everybody expect from you in 2019, man? Showcasing, man. I've had, uh, had some, some injuries that I nursed up in half of 18 is what I spent doing is just getting healthier, getting a little better, getting my knees right. And just out of luck, I learned this reality show. I join it. I, I have a lot of downtime. 
where there's no connectivity to the world. So it was like I was getting paid to be in a retreat to heal myself, to heal my mind, my body, everything. So it was awesome, man. I got a lot of new moves that I'm bringing to the game that uh that I'm dying to to put in mass production. I already got them in the factory. They're already lined up. They're ready for mass production sell. So this fight, I'm gonna I'm gonna be showing showcasing some new things. You know, and I'm just excited, man. Just to scrap, get out there and, and and do what I love to do, what I was born to do. Absolutely, my friend. All right, brother. Listen, we're very much looking forward to this fight. Hope, hoping it does get made. You return to action, return to doing what you do best. We'll catch up again before the fight. But until then, man, have a great training camp and, uh, you know, enjoy the rest of the winter down there in Miami. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up again soon, buddy. Thanks for having me, my boy. Big shout out to BJ Penn, too. Always uh, got my back no matter what, man. You know, I love you guys, bro. Keep doing that good work, man. Yeah, always, my friend. We always got your back, brother. Thank you, man. You have a great day. All right, guys, you heard it here first. Nothing official just yet. And Gamebred will be remaining skeptical until he sees a signed contract, though he is hopeful that this fight will go down. He'll go into the O2 in London, put on a great show, and take the all the wind right out of that arena. You guys have heard me talk about it many times. I'm very bummed out that that Nick Diaz fight did not get made. Anybody with a pulse understands just how amazing of a fight that would have been. Hopefully, that gets booked in the future. But until then, we'll see if Gamebred makes the flight over the pond to take on Darren Till, March 16th, in London. And let's certainly hope he doesn't run into uh, Michael Bisping on Fight Week. (laughs) But guys, listen, thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. I've said it all along, first episode of 2019, we tried to stack this bad boy as much as we can for you. So my apologies on the break from content for the holidays, but we are back in business. 2019 is going to be great for BJPenn.com Radio and the site. Make sure you guys bookmark us, follow us on social media, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Set up alerts, stay up to date on the sport that you love of mixed martial arts. On behalf of the whole team, all the hardworking guys at bjpen.com, big mahalo, Penn Nation. We'll catch everybody on the flip side. Peace out.